Today is Thursday, April 27th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, we talk about the consensuality of Mary giving birth to Jesus. Was it consensual? Um, Yes. Spoiler, yes. Then we talk about the book titled The God Virus. Um, How charitable does that sound? Uh, Then people talk about something about science. It's uh, bring your kids to work day. So uh, my children are with me, and I'm going to be teaching them what daddy does for a living. So I'm tuned out while people are talking about science stuff. Say hi, children. Hi. Yay. You're going to learn how to do some work. All right. Um, Is secular humanism a religion? ChatGPT says says so. Uh, And we have some fun with ChatGPT, asking it some questions. Uh, It turns out it's a pretty decent biblical scholar um, until it takes us all over. And then we end up on the Dead Sea Scrolls and learn a thing or two about that, the Gnostic Gospels, the uh, Nahorabi or whatever, does Nahoragi? Anyways, so that's what's in store today. It's a good discussion, so check out the Ask a Christian book available on Amazon. You can read it for free with Kindle Unlimited. And you can check out the Ask a Christian store and get some merchandise to uh, facilitate civil discussions about Christianity and why you believe what you believe with people. You'll definitely get asked about it. Uh, check out the merchandise. You'll see why. Uh, the pictures The pictures are are um, definitely going to get people to stop you and ask. Um, anyways, enjoy the podcast and share this link with friends and family and people you don't like so they have to hear it too. And we'll see you later. Oh, man, we've had, like, the plague for, like, freaking three months. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, some disease my children brought home from their nasty school. And, uh, like, we all got, like, sick. And now we've had this, like, lingering cough for, like, ever. So, it was nice knowing you all. <laughs> you ain't going nowhere in Jesus' name. You shall not die but live in the clear. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm caught somewhere between saying thank you and then somewhere between, can we just pray for the rapture to just happen now? <laughs> just get all of us out of here. You know, uh, too many souls out here. That is a noble point. Why are you bring the bishop out in me this morning, Nate? <laughs> What's that? Why are you bring the bishop out in, bishop out in me? <laughs> I should put on my. I should. I should throw on my vestments and everything. Wait. Come. So, does bishop mean overseer to you? Like you're you oversee multiple pastors? Is that bishop in your understanding, or is that just me? Yes, I oversee pastors. So you got like a collection of churches. Yeah. You oversee. Yes. And they and they and they and they're international. And they very, what? Very few in America, but. Not, I have I have churches in Pakistan. In the oh, cool. That I do oversee. Oh, the question: Did Mary consent? I guess Caleb's gone now, but huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, someone in, in chat asked, uh, "Mary consent?" I, I'm thinking. Do you on what you're asking is what you would will, Lord? Yeah, did Mary consent? To the birth of our Lord and Savior. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Chris, you want to bring up the holy rape argument? Oh, that's man. always that's always fun at 8.09 a.m. I say had what? coffee yet. I mean, it's, it's, it's self-explanatory, right? Like, it's, it's, it's self-explanatory. It's like, look, yeah, like you said, like, I'm your servant. You know, here I am. You know, whatever. It's cool. I'm cool with it. Totally cool. Um, I mean, you know, people, I, I guarantee the same degenerate person 
would, you know, be like, oh, I just hooked up with this chick in a scuzzy bar and probably got some stuff I got to go get some shots for. But, uh, you know, it's consensual because she's like, uh, sure, and then passed out. So it's consensual. But then when you've got, like, the mother of our Lord being like, yes, I am your servant, whatever you will. I am here. I will serve you. Yes, let it be as you said. Yes, make this happen. It's like, oh, I don't know if that's consensual. It's like, oh, come on. Him. Man, today's starting out like yesterday ended. And it's uh, it's bring your kids to work day. Uh, so so my children <laughs> stayed home from school. So I've got to show them what I do uh, for work. So I'm uh, I'm letting them sleep in a while. So I figured I'd, I'd let them uh, probably bring them in toward the end of this podcast and uh, let them get a complete distaste for anything to do with debate and discussion, and then uh, show them how I do web design and stuff. <laughs> so they maybe make an appearance at some point. You got girls, right? I bet they're dorbs. Is that some 50s word? I don't even know what that means. Dorbs? Oh, wait. Is that like adorable? Adorbs. Adorable. I oh, I thought you said, I thought it was, say it. It's a Gen oh. Z thing. Oh, I thought it was like a Gen U thing. <laughs> adorbs. I, I just thought it was dorbs. I missed the A, A, but okay. Well, yeah, they're they're pretty good when they're not being little monsters. So, Adorbs. You know. That's just that's that's Chris trying to. Hey, be who talking about little monsters? <laughs> hey, who talking about little monsters? Mine. Hey, I mess with the little monsters. Wait, what? Hey, I like the little monsters. In a weird way, or uh, don't suffer the little children type way. Hold on. So what was y'all talking about before I came in? All I hear was little monsters. <laughs> yeah, clarification uh, is king here. <laughs> Bob, you can't well, we, bait me anymore. I just don't take you seriously anymore. As usual, I'm woefully lost. Do you have a long history with these people that I know nothing about? I mean, I know Dippity. Yeah, I know this. I thought you were talking hey, about... The monsters, they, hey, the monsters, they go inside your booty. I almost want to ask for a follow-up. But the responsible part of me says I should just move you. <laughs> yes. Let's give this a shot. King, what's up? Do you have any questions today on your mind? Yeah, Um. so like, I was wondering, do the monsters go inside your booty? <laughs> All right, thanks for playing. Go with Christ for all. I, I don't even know what to, I don't even. I didn't even understand what you were saying. Can anybody translate? Do the monsters go inside your booty? I'm sorry, what? That's what he said? That's what he said. And that's been sound clipped. Wow. <laughs> Wait, my version or his? Oh, both. both. <laughs> well, I still got you clipped saying I'm right yesterday, so... Well, that's, that's okay. Nothing topped what you just said. Uh, <laughs> like, ever. So, what... So, WTF with yesterday, I, I saw your, I saw, I didn't go back and listen to the replay. What, what fresh hell happened? Or was it just a continuation? Oh, uh, I didn't actually think, I don't, wow, I don't remember it. So that says a lot about me. Well, but you, I, th you, I think you, Chris, oh, Chris, Chris came, he was gone for like an hour of it. And then he came back. Yeah. You sent me, you sent me a, a message yesterday saying that was fun. And I'm like, really? And you're like, no, not really. 
Oh yeah, like whenever you're here, like whenever it always makes me a little, uh, you know, it makes my my life harder when when it's like a contentious thing, like you know, interactions you've had with like people who who are usually, uh, uh, you know, come in a little more hot and heavy than this room usually likes, and uh, then I have to try to like you know keep the peace, like it's just <laughs> it's just contentious. Cause I had to go, cause like, well, when I find when I had to cut out yesterday, uh, I noticed that that concrete had come in, and he and I don't see eye to eye. Yeah, that was one um, of them. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. So I, I, we're like, we didn't interact yesterday, but I, I saw him come in kind of at the tail end when I had to go. So, oh well. I can't be held responsible for everyone that wants to join your room. Yeah, yeah. The the burden is not yours. I mean, it's usually, turns out it's like, what, what, Chris, what was the fresh hell you were talking about? Oh, yeah, I fuck completely... your mother, fuck your sister. Oh, shit, shit. Oh, that's, oh, that's nice. Wow, look, look at that. Okay, Clubhouse, come on. Okay, yes. I'm working on that. I've got a response as soon as I get the tools here. <laughs> oh, did you get them, Vic? Yeah, I was a little slow, but got to it. I hate Clubhouse. Like, I was clicking on his name, and then, it, like, this new update kills me. Like, if I click on your profile, I try to, like, scroll up, because it always says message. But then the other tools that are, like, move to audience, stuff like that, are below, so you have to scroll up. So when I start scrolling up, it would, like, glitch and all the way, like, go all the way up and, like, clear it. So, so I'm like, okay, hang on, hang on. I was, like, on my fourth try of, like, I click on his name, it's, like, message. I'm like, the move to audience is right below that. So I try to scroll up, and then it clears it. And then I try to scroll up, and it clears it. I'm like, hang on, buddy. I've got something for you. Just hang on. Just tap and hold on somebody's feet here. He's what? Just tap and hold on someone's feet here. Oh. Um, okay, well, I'm tapping and holding on yours, and it didn't work. You're not getting a menu that pops up? This is like move to audience or move from them oh no no that's what i was doing yeah like i i do that but like whenever i do it only shows the first line so like i i tap on yours and your prof okay i've done it three times and it's different each time this this is so stupid so whenever i tapped on yours the first like three times it popped up uh, your profile picture and ask a christian member and then your tagline don't be a fool there's no such thing as just a girl um so then in order to see the stuff under it like move to audience and all that i have to scroll up but as soon as I start scrolling up, it clears it. But then I tapped a few more times, and now it brings up the full menu. Oh, Clubhouse, you're the hardest part of my day. Nay, you're seriously sounding like a boomer. <laughs> I mean, how do we I, I, <laughs> Okay, so what's up today? Chris, what was the uh, the thing you said it ended in a certain way yesterday? Can you remind me of that? I actually don't remember how it ended. <laughs> uh, I guess you were dropping Tyler to the audience because he was not letting things go or something. I don't know. Oh, boy, who's Tyler? I'm so bad at this. Nate, Nate do you do like a nightly memory dump? Is it, I is guess it, I, I, I guess so. It's in your it's in your external backup drive. <laughs> Except there is no external backup drive. 
I guess the external back talking drive is... about that, and we just he doesn't have he doesn't have the uh, the resources to do a proper NAS on his network. Yeah, it's just like, oh, this is a few hundred bucks. Oh, then you get this few hundred bucks. Here's a few hundred bucks. I'm like, bro, I don't have a tree that I can just go pick pick leaves of money off of. But yeah, my, my external backup drive right now is like Podbean. <laughs> so when I need to remember something, I have to go there and watch it. Okay, let's see. What are we going to talk about today, everyone? Hey, so uh, uh, Dr. Daryl Ray was on our podcast last night. Um, he's uh, he's the author of a couple of books. Well, several books. He's a uh, he has his uh, he has his PhD. He's um, he did his undergrad work in uh, sociology and anthropology. Um, he did his master's in actually in some type of religious study. I forget now. My external drive's not working well from last night either. Um, and uh, and then he got his doctorate. And so he wrote a couple of books. One's called The God Virus. And uh, the other one's called Sex and God, uh, as well as some other books. Um, but it, it's interesting. So his whole his whole take on the uh, on the God. So he's not he's very specifically not calling not calling God a a virus. What he's what he talks about in the kind of the thesis of the the book is how is how religion uh, spreads like a virus, and what he means by that is obviously not in some type of malicious way, right? But how it um, how it works its way through societies, um, you know, mentally like a virus does physically, if that makes sense. And it was, a, it was a very interesting discussion. I'd read his book before, but it was an interesting discussion. Um, and I'm curious, I'm curious as to what you guys think about how, uh, so, so basically, if you think about it, you know, so you, so you're, you know, you're born, little baby, pop, there you go. And, you know, your parents teach you stuff, right? You know, don't touch the stove, don't near, don't play near the cliff, there's a God, these types of things. And because, you know, it's, uh, it's bred into us evolution, uh, through evolution, to trust our caregivers, right? Because our caregivers help to keep us alive and, and give us information, stuff like this. And so that's how it works its way through. And then um, uh, basically because the, the mind is so pliable uh, at a young age that once these beliefs are set in there, it's, it's harder, not impossible, but harder to kind of um, get out of it or to deconvert. And so that's another kind of reference to the the, the virus things, or where the where the the virus, quote unquote, virus, becomes uh, resistant to alternate information that would be, you know, tantamount to antibiotics. Say, I'm curious as to your thoughts. <laughs> well, my first thought is how you say, you know, you, usually being charitable, um, you know, I I'm, I get your explanation, but you know, calling something the virus, um, God virus, is probably not the most charitable title. I get if he wants, you know, if he wants to get um, a fervor and excitement around it, that'll do it. Um, it reminds me of something our our prophet uh, Blade Two, I think, once said um, in in the um, one of the vampires he was about to turn to dust. Um, <laughs> if anyone saw Blade Two, um, and they were comparing hum humans to uh, parasites. So, you're parasites, blah, blah, blah. All you do is like eat and drink and reach on other people and blah, blah, blah. 
He's like, we're the one to end that. Um, just whenever you're talking about the God virus, it reminded me of that creepy vampire that's calling humans parasite. And Boyd's like, we're not parasites, we're humans. And then he, you know, turns them into dust and like chops off his head or something. Um, so kind of reminded me of that. Um, don't know how to make that in, in a good Christian way, but that's what it reminded me of. So I, I would say to the actual point though, um, I mean, if people are brought up with all kinds of beliefs, right? So like secular too, it's not just religion. So, I mean, I, I always want to make that distinction. It's not like religion's a special category. It's many things. Um, so sure, religious beliefs, cultural beliefs, all kinds of things, um, you know, the way the world works. Um, so, so religion is not in its own special category. But yeah, I get it. Like it makes, it could make it harder to get away from. But also, you know, everyone has their own critical thinking or lack thereof that they should develop. So sure, there's some merit to it. I don't know if that's an end-all be-all though. So I, I would push back a little bit just to make that point and say, sure, I, I get that that describes plenty of, plenty of people, but there's also plenty of people that would say, well, that doesn't describe me. And, you know, like all the atheists who um, are raised with a certain religious belief, like let's just say Western Christianity, and it makes it easier for them to push back because, you know, they see their, their church members don't practice what they preach or whatever. So even though they grew up with these beliefs, pretty much from the time they could think about it themselves, they were this is like fuel to get away from these beliefs. So it had the opposite effect uh, because, well, we see, we see lots of people like that today. And they're like, the reason I'm not a Christian is because of Christians. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I, w I would want to go deeper into that, but taking your own word, sure. I think there's merit to it. So yeah, just as much as religious, religious beliefs can make it harder to get away from if you're ingrained with it. Um, it can also be a reason that many people are pushed away. That's what I think. Interesting. Um, I, so, okay. So, my favorite of the Blade series is is uh, the third one, Blade Trinity. Um, that was Triple H. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like how we know Michael would have never been a modalist. I did. I did. Like uh, yes, Michael. No, I I did like I did like Blade Two as well. Um. Uh. So. Yeah, my backup drive really not working. Uh, Chris, walk me through modalism. Oh, it's just like the oneness Pentecostals that uh, reject the Trinity. That was just a joke. Ah, okay. Because he likes the third blade and not all the blades? Well, yeah, because it's called Blade Trinity. Right. Oh, yeah, it is called Blade Trinity. Dang. <laughs> you got to explain a joke. It's not funny. I mean, I started earlier today, so maybe maybe we all just need to go back to bed. I don't know, I guess I could bring so my kids in here since it's, since it's bring your kid to work day. I could be like, hey, do my daddy's religious beliefs make you, uh, you know, hate God or question his existence? I guess we, should, we could do an antidote case the, study real fast. I think you can go on the flip as well, right? So, like, you know, people are being raised in a culture that is secular humanistic. And so all of the schools, all of the television, you know, all the entertainment, everything is oriented towards secular humanism. And so when we talk about secular humanism or implicit faith, um, children that without question accept the doctrine of um, evolution, you know, then, you know, we can, we can kind of flip it on its head, you know, that these secular humanistic beliefs, just like any other religion, are spread the exact same way. With... Seems like he was done mid-sentence. Did did you finish, Chris? Or yeah, 
I mean, you know, secular humanism is the same as any other religion. Uh, Michael, have we poo-pooed your uh, your uh, point or made great, compelling arguments that you'll think about? Um, uh, no, no compelling arguments this time. Um, it, it's it's interesting. So, and and I I hear this a lot. And so this this is good. Maybe you know I'll add a little bit of salt to the discussion. Um, so in if you could, Chris, from from your perspective. Could you lay out the parallels or what you see as similar between secularism and religion? Yeah, I mean, they have tenets of beliefs. You must believe in certain doctrines, uh, things like evolution. There are sacraments to the religion, like abortion and euthanasia. Um, you know, there are um, priests. Uh, these are college professors and academics and experts. Um, you have, I mean, there's there's tons of parallels. I mean, I could basically draw you out uh, the entire, you know, institution of the Catholic Church, and I could show you how that completely is mirrored in secular humanism. And there's can don't forget canon like the origin is. Yeah, I mean, so there's, there's multiple the there's multiple sacred texts as well. There's lots. Oh, of okay. Give me an idea of what the sacred text is. Oh, I mean, like this. First of all, the sacred. Well, it would be, it would be like a meta sacred text, right? Because there's not going to be like, oh, it's Richard Dawkins' God delusion or whatever else. Um, it's going to be more like, oh, it's your eighth grade science book. It is your, you know. It is uh, your ideas of, you know, secular humanism and the goodness of man through, you know, Star Trek or, you know, whatever else. I guess not modern Star Trek because modern Star Trek sucks. But, you know. Okay. okay. You know. So, okay. So, so eighth grade science books. You mean the same eighth grade science books that, that change from time to time because we have new information and, and we learn new things as opposed to an ancient, ancient doctrine that can't be changed? Are you serious? So are, are you, are you drawing parallels there? Is Archaeopteryx still taught in eighth grade science books? It is. That was debunked decades ago, but that's still a tenant oh. of faith, and so it's who, kept. Who, in who, did, who debunked Archaeopteryx? Okay, hang on. For the dumb people, what the heck is that? Real quick. Archaeopteryx is a is an excellent. Well, it's well. I would say it is a. Uh, yeah, it's an excellent example of a transitional species, which is, which is, which is a tough one to lay out because we are all transitional species. Like we are all just this year's model of, uh, you know, of, of us in particular. Uh, and that's, that's true throughout the animal kingdom. So, um, Archaeopteryx uh, is a fossil that was found, which was basically, um, a, a reptile, uh, with, with plumage, like, like full on feathers. Right. Um, and, and in, it's a transition between, uh, modern, sorry, uh, ancient dinosaurs and modern dinosaurs. I'd like to also add that something can be parallel even if it's antithetical, you know? I mean, if we think about it for math, you know, in a, in a particular sense, two rays can be parallel and have, you know, a ray has like a single starting point and then continues on, quote unquote, infinitely uh, in a particular direction. So you can have one going up the X axis, let's say, or sorry, up the Y axis, and then one 
starting at the same point going down the y-axis and the slope is still the same. I'm using that to show that two ideas can be parallel even if they are antithetical in the sense that they are, you know, as you expound on them in quote unquote infinite number of ways, they go in opposite directions. So for instance, the, the, the quote unquote parallel of religious or sacred texts or doctrines like gender theory or, you know, some some uh, other, you know, case studies and things which current society sort of swears by, they mirror and parallel the same, uh, 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 I guess, the same function that, let's say, the Bible or the church fathers and their writings would, even though those are more constant and you would say that the uh, more contemporary parallels of them are subjective. As a matter of fact, that's going to be one of the, the major distinctions between the two, that there is a ridiculous amount of subjectivity in secular humanism, whereas um, religion generally, not even just Christianity, but a lot of religion generally has an immense sense of constancy, necessary constancy, which is why we get things like tradition and why things like modernism and postmodernism seek to break away from that tradition, ergo secular humanism. Um, and so something can be parallel without necessarily going in the same direction, if that makes sense. Just wanted to plug that in there because I think Chris makes a very valid point, even though categorically these things sort of go in different directions, one toward constancy and the continuation of constancy or the sustainment, I should say, of constancy and the other towards, you know, increased relativity, increased subjectivity. Well, um, so if for the well, for the actual point, uh, Michael, do you want to, so has Chris made enough uh, parallels that you would say you may not like it, but sure, it kind of, it's not as apples and oranges as one may like it to be. It's it's a little more like red apple, yellow apple. No, absolutely in no way, shape or form. Um, and, and here, and there, there are lots of reasons why. So, and it kind of ties on to what, to what the other, I forget his, his name who just commented. So, so for, for a million and five reasons, no. Uh, and I'll list just just a couple. So, so there's there's a difference between you know trying to maintain constancy uh, or consistency, right? Versus uh, versus the absolute need for concrete consistency on pain of punishment, uh, torture, death, excommunication, and all these other things, like is done like is done in religion. There are no say like it, they, this is just an attempt to equivocate on on a on a level tantamount to lunacy. There are no sacred texts or doctrines. The way you get famous in science is by disproving someone else's hypothesis and perhaps elevating yours to a theory. There are no holy books. There are no prescribed beliefs or prohibited beliefs. Okay, Black it, it just it just doesn't exist. Is uh, is death? Blacklisting is death. It's so I'm sorry. What, Michael? That's I mean, I love you, brother, but like, man, that's just it's so. Okay, give me an example, Chris, hilarious. of a of a prohibited. Give me an example of a prohibited belief within science. Prohibited belief. Uh, anything that goes against what people are writing grants for, because I saw it firsthand. Anything that goes against the ideas of say. Uh, climate change, anything that goes that that would uh, disprove any of these pet environmental theories. Um, no, you know, no, but, but see again, Ooh, he is right about the Grant's one. That Grant one is a good he's, one. He's he's not, but okay. I mean, and and it's funny because, and the reason for this because, I mean, it, like we've talked about before, right? I, I mean, 
not I, I don't want to I want I don't want to immediately discount your anecdote, right? But in but your anecdote, your your anecdote can't be evidence on a broader spectrum, right? And, and like unless you have the capacity to provide citations for these things and say <coughs> the reason COVID. why the reason why you were denied was because of this thing. And, and because because the reverse of that, you can it, it can easily be pointed out lots of things like the reason why we are not doing this is because it goes against church teachings, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I got COVID again. I got COVID again. Next day he was fired. I mean, the people it happens constantly. Again, citations would be Michael. Here's a prohibited belief. I have a super. I have a super specific example for you. Okay. Okay. So. Dr. Ravi Starzl and Tim Starzl. There was a son and grandson of Thomas Starzl who did the first ever liver transplant. The man has a medical school named after him. When COVID happened, within two months, they had developed a preventive over-the-counter solution where they, they basically infected chickens with COVID. The eggs had antibodies. They were able to extrapolate them and put them in a pill and a spray form. They got no traction within the federal government because the Trump administration's policy was vaccine only. So they had good science, they had proof, they had evidence, but the whole focus was around vaccines. So they had strong science, they have white papers on it, I'm happy to show you one, and they got completely shut down. So don't tell me science is what all that you're saying is. I'm not anti-science, but you just sanitized it to a point that was utterly ridiculous. So don't don't say power never yeah. has consequences. I mean, it, it is possible to say the truth and power structures disagree and you get canceled, blacklisted, lose your career. I mean, that's not that's just facts of life. And it happens everywhere. So I didn't sanitize science. Sci science as a methodology is is sanitary. That doesn't mean that there aren't bad scientists on on both sides. But I'd, I'd be very curious to see to see this uh, to see this paper if you could link it somehow. Also, are we confining secular humanism to science? Because we were talking about secular humanism and the parallels between secular humanism and <clears throat> you know faith-based systems or religious systems, and then we sort of confine secular humanism to science when we can definitely see second secular humanism outside of the scope of methodological science. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure how it got pigeonholed either, but yeah, you can absolutely you can you know uh, tie it to things like uh, social issues, etc. So yeah, I don't think it necessarily has to be pigeonholed to science either. Right. So then back to Chris's uh, phenomenal anecdote, which we're parsing out, which I love, because <clears throat> you know I love analogies, Chris. Love them. Um, but back to that, you can definitely see prohibited ideas. Let's say um, in the in the social sphere. One being absolute truth, right? As opposed to subjective truth, you know, or, you know, your truth, my truth. You're, you're definitely going to see a prohibited idea being absolute truth where there is one truth and all other versions or perspectives of the truth are necessarily false. Not half truths, not partially true, not truth at all, just like false. Um, that's a prohibited belief in the vast majority of social spheres um across the the not even just this country but honestly internationally if you are saying something like objective morality or in some cases you go you they go even far as to say objective reality 
um, you know, yeah, that's that's taboo. That's that's something that's going to get you socially killed, socially crucified, um, being intentionally hyperbolic because we associated cancel culture with death or even excommunication. If you want to if you want to take it like that, maybe not death. Let's just we could definitely see excommunication. Cancel culture is akin to excommunication, especially if you have one of those uh, socially heretical beliefs like absolute truth or absolute morality or absolute reality. Okay, I got a couple of I, because I don't want to. I'm not interested in 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 strawmanning anyone's position. So I need to. We, we need some clarification. So I'd like first a couple of definitions. Can you tell me? Or uh, definitions may be impossible differences. Can you tell me what the difference between truth and absolute truth is? And then can you also define objective for me? See, you're doing it now. No, I'm. I'm. Oh, no, I'm asking for clarification. I'm asking so, so uh, pun intended and wordplay intended, truthfully, I would not make a distinction between truth and absolute truth. And why'd you bring it, up? bring it up? Right? Because socially, you kind of have to make a distinction between truth and absolute truth because truth itself has become synonymous with subjectivity in the social sphere. So I tag on the superfluous adjective absolute truth to denote that the truth that I'm speaking of is not subjective, it's not fluid, and it doesn't change. No, that's a good point. Okay, so can you okay, so can you define objective for me? I got a bad signal, so I lost you for a second. Did you ask a question, Michael? Yeah, can you define objective? Um, I'd go with, um, let me, oh, let me help you out. Help you out. Thanks, thanks, Chris, because I'm changing lanes right now, so no I probably worries. shouldn't. I probably so shouldn't. objective would be something that is true in all places, in all times, in all circumstances. Um, that is something that is true outside of our epistemological realm, i.e. What, what do you mean by that is, I'm sorry? What do you mean by our? Like the shared experience that all human beings have of having five senses. And so what I would say is objective truth is God's truth outside of the experience of any human. And it is true for all, all people, all deities, everywhere at all times. That's good. Oh, uh, okay. You're breaking up. Uh, that's a lot of road noise. Oh, oh yeah, that's, that's that's rough. That's an example. Yeah, Nate, Nate, I'm 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 reapplying my hair high hair really plus five. Um, okay. Um, so, so objective. So it, I think you're I think you're uh, definitely. Hang on one second, one second, Michael. Jack, we also can't hear you. Um, we hear you coming in and cutting out. So if you can fix your connection, um, I know you're trying to speak, but we you're very very choppy and we can't understand you. Um. Uh, so if Marquise and Jack could fix your stuff somehow, um, uh, Michael, go ahead and continue, please. Yeah, I just think that so th that's a very interesting <clears throat> definition for for objectivity. Now, words themselves have meanings, right? They don't have uh, the, you know but, words are polysemic. Um, I accept this, this. The but the the subject is not absolute truth. It's an example. Absolute truth and subjective truth was an example of something else y'all were talking about. So you're diving into a particulars of one example. This is not the, about the narrative we're talking about. 
So, so what I asked for was, was clarification. I wasn't trying to change. What I was trying to do was get clarification because, because a, a more, a more mainstream definition of objective is something is, is mind or stance independent. And this is something that gets chucked, chucked, chucked around a lot by people of all different, like Christianity doesn't have the monopoly on this. It's philosophical. Look at the book. I would love to be able to finish my sentence. It's not, it's not religious. I would love that. Well, I would love that too. Uh, yeah, my, I mean, to be fair, Michael is in the middle of speaking. So, the uh, the, the the definition that Chris used for objectivity is something that gets used a lot by people, but by, by people of all different faith traditions, because they want to try to tie a special definition of objectivity to only be for humans and place God in this special category, which, on the face of it, is special pleading, which is fallacious. Right. If you're going to use it to apply to one, it should should apply to the other. That's not but what I course, said. I said it applies to God as well. You, you, oh, it also well in that case, and there's nothing that's objective. Everything is stance or mind dependent. In the mind of God, so now you're no, now you're making the transcendental argument. It's human, no, human from mind. from your perspective, human. Chris. There would be no such thing as objective morality. Human, there would be human no such mind. thing as objective morality. Because even 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 by your even by your definition, if, if you're meaning it to in, to include everybody, then there's no such thing as objective morality, because all all it is is from a stance perspective. So it's wrong because God thinks it's wrong. Human so that that's not objective. That's subjective. Human stance. Human stance. Right. And human. and that's the special pleading. I, I know, but the point. Uh, yeah, it's so objective truth. Thank you for admitting mind. that it's special pleading. Well, there's but, nothing yeah, wrong with, but that's, I wouldn't say that's, that's special pleading because within the context of the conversation, we're talking about something that is objective to humans. And it's trivial. So for something to be objective, for something to be objective to humans, it must exist, as Chris said, independent or outside of uh, uh, the dependence of the human experience. It's not dependent on the human experience. That doesn't mean it's... I guess does that does that make sense what I'm saying? Like because we're talking be about trivial something trivial in a conversation between Christians and atheists. Well, yeah, of course, of course. When I when I when I point out a fallacy that you're using, you hand wave it away as trivial. Of course, you do. Well, but uh, Michael, like you're going to always end up at special pleading when you're talking about God. Like, how could you not? You always have to end up. Oh, so, okay. Like then Trinity, I can see I can the discussion. If you're fine with fallacious morality. arguments, I can. Discussion. You're, you're so, but, but Michael, like, it's not like if, if you just assume like God is real from your perspective, you wouldn't assume we understand every aspect of some being that's well beyond our capability. So you have to end up at special pleading. There's no way not to at some point. Oh no! See, that's the, that's the problem, especially when people sit from a, and not necessarily in this room, but when people sit from a pulpit. And try to and try to institute policy, law, etc., rights and wrongs, do's and don'ts, on their interpretation of what a holy book says. Oh, you know, oh I'll yeah. agree with you on that, uh, Michael. I'll, I'll agree uh, quickly. Let me just go quickly, Michael. I'll agree with you on that. I don't think when we're talking about public policy and stuff like that, the it, it should go down the same way. So we don't we don't have any different. Okay, but okay, but that's that's the problem. So back at, uh, to what we were saying a second ago. This is why it's important to come to an understanding about terms, because if you're because if because if I'm defining objective as mind or stance independent, 
and everybody else is defining uh, defining objective as mine and stance independent asterisks only for humans. There's a problem there, and of course there's going to be a disconnect. So right, but I think contextually, I, I think it's easy to contextually resolve that if we're talking about secular humanism, and we're talking about subjective truth or subjective reality, and we're using those terms and then juxtaposing that with a term like objective truth or objective reality, we're still talking about humans. We're not talking about animals. We're not necessarily talking about amoebas or plants. We're talking yeah, about humans. Your view, chimp morality is objective. So, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know who that's directed to or what you meant by it. It's towards the apostle. On his view, he's going to have to say that chimpanzee morality is objective. <laughs> you can't no, make, no, you can't but if we're, no, I wouldn't have to say that because it depends on it depends on the focus of our conversation. Like our conversation right now is on objective morality within the context of our conversation in secular humanism. So well, it's we're just going to be trivial if you say, "Well, my morality is theist morality; humans. yours is not theist morality." Well, wait, then, wait, wait. That's wait. But that's my point. You, you gotta let me finish. If we're talking about chimpanzees, and then we start talking about, well, number one, it wouldn't be secular humanism in chimpanzees. It maybe would be secular chimpanzeeism or something like that. Then we can talk about what is objective or subjective to, to chimpanzees. But right now, we are talking about the human experience. No, you're not getting what I'm I saying. Mean, no, I, I get what you're saying. I'm saying I think we're making a mountain out of a molehill, which is solved by context. Well, it's it's all trivial. When you just say that your morality is objective because it comes from a theistic worldview. And no, that's, but nobody, nobody said comes, that. Nobody said that. What we said was what objective. Said, okay. What we said was the, the, the definition of objective. Um, I'm going to summarize what Chris said because I don't remember exactly what he said. Uh, but the, the objective is going to be, in essence, independent of... The human experience, or I should say the influence of the human experience, is not dependent on human experience. Yeah, and you're, it making, it on, you're making it dependent on the experience of God. So that's just to say that objective means Wait, a God worldview. Well, there, no, hang on. There's, well, there's two things here. And one, this is like raising my blood pressure. Like my children are doing exactly the same thing that's going on here right now. And between both of it, it's making me want to slap my dog. Just kidding. Don't slap your dog. But no, okay. So Marquise is saying what Chris said, which is, Objective is true for all people, all places, all times, just across the board, all. Now, another point, like, because you're trying to criticize a, a separate point. So that's what objectivity means, right? It's true no matter who says it. It's true for everyone, all the same, for all time, mm -hmm. ever. Um, but then the theist, like, I would then say, well, if you want an example of objectivity, then I would appeal to, you know, this God that I believe in. So if all premises are true, this God unequaled. Uh, has no equal is the arbiter of of what is you know of, of what he says. That's what makes it objective. So then you you were kind of like taking that's two just arguments. That's going to go for any subject. Well, well, hey, hey, wait, 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 I just want to see. I just want to make the point here. So, but then you were kind of like criticizing the God part when the objectivity is what you you were over. You were combining two things and then criticizing only one outcome. So like, yeah, the theist, I would I'm say, confused. well, God is object. There is objective truth because God, right? But that doesn't mean I'm just appealing to God because the working de definition of objectivity is true for all people, all times, forever. So th you're basically combining both stances and only criticizing one result. You're criticizing the God part while not no, agreeing not or disputing the actual definition of objectivity. Yeah, I'm just I'm just like wondering how it makes it objective if it comes from a God subject and then subjective if it comes from a human subject. That's the thing I'm criticizing. Because oh, reality okay. so, so is the, I... created by that God. If reality is created by that God, 
by definition, reality comports with that God's character and nature. Okay, so does reality not comport with my definition of what I think is right? Well, yeah, you could be wrong. Yeah, you could be wrong. It's a subjective fact. It's like it would be a subjective fact. Hang on. We got to dial this back. I'm seriously ready to drown kittens. Not not literally. But let's take a breath. Um, This is way too much for like 8.50 a.m. Okay, so... Jeff, what we're trying to say is if there if there are two people on an equal playing field, it's hard, you can't get objectivity because you have someone who is an equal status to challenge it. So if there were the Christian God and there were another God exactly like the Christian God, then it would be, everything would be subjective because these two gods on equal equal you know on equal plane could be arguing and challenging. So like, no, I have objectivity, I have objectivity, but really it's just subjective because this God has another equal who can be challenged. That's what makes it subjective. Like humans, we have plenty of equal humans, but, so we can all. But, we're all. You're well, not I'm getting almost, it. I'm, 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 I don't think you're getting it. If I'm not getting it, explain. No, it. I, I understand. But the like, point, you're just not but, understanding what I just but, said. Okay. Well, maybe you can. Maybe if we just let people finish their sentence, then everyone will be able to understand everyone else a little easier. So the point is, what Chris was saying is the fact that there is, we believe, there's one God. So if this Christian God is the one and only and cannot be challenged, has no equal. Mm-hmm then what this God says is objective because there's no one that can challenge it. Do you understand me? That's and now a, I'll try to understand that's you. Not what, that's not what we're going to mean by objective, right? Objective is just going to be something stance independent. And if you're going to base it on God's stance, sure, it, it'll be objective in that sense, right? But it's going to be objective in the same sense that uh, like some, you know, anti-realist moral theory will be objective. What do you mean by that? You don't get to define what objective is. We do oh my gosh. because we're talking from the from the Christian worldview. Well, from the yeah, Christian exactly. worldview, so if objective exactly. means if you're just something gonna de- different. Define than objective what as come from God, then it's trivial. Like that's my point. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. The whole point that I'm trying to make is that God cannot have a standard outside of Himself in the Christian worldview. You are asking for God to have an objective standard outside of Himself. The Christian worldview is that the character and nature of God is the standard, and we all just have to deal with it. Which is that just reduces what I just. (laughs) In the same way that the secular worldview, in the same way that the secular non-theistic worldview would say that the facts of science are the rule of law in terms of objectivity. What does the science say, as opposed to you know what? do you feel about the science or how do you interpret the science? It sits in the very same functional position that God sits in the Christian worldview. Well, see, unfortunately, there's there's, there's other other problems, right? In what, in what, first in what Chris said, you know, when, like, as soon as he makes a statement because God, that begs the question. And when, if you're going to say that, that it's, different than two, your special pleading. And three, if you're going to say that something that, that something is wrong because God says it's wrong, that's subjective. And, and th- th- there can be clarification in something like really simple, like and with a you know with a with a straightforward answer. Why is adultery wrong? Because God said it's wrong. Thank you. That's that makes it that by definition. Michael, I would say because it's inconsistent with the nature of God. It's that is the definition of subjective. Thank you. Right. Because but it's not subjective to us. Objective and subjective. Contextually, yeah, 
contextually, it's not subjective to it's not subjective to humans. If we're talking about secular humanism, again, in the context of our conversation, it's not subjective to humans because God, independent of human experience and independent of human senses, his nature determines the quality of adultery to be wrong independently of human experience. So for humans, it is objective. That's my point, that if we contextualize Uh, this conversation to the subject at hand, we're talking about toward humans, preposition toward, with, to, for humans, adultery being wrong as a inconsistent aspect of, uh, not inconsistent aspect, but, but in that it is inconsistent with the nature of God is independent of human experience. Thus, it is objective to humans. Okay, what's the difference uh, what, between... Uh, hang on. Yeah, I heard oh, fine, Edie sorry. trying to get in. Uh, Edie, yeah. Edie trying to get in. So and then I'm going to call on some people that haven't been speaking. Yeah, if, go ahead, Edie. If we're looking at something red, right? The red wavelength is hitting our eye. We see that's red. Let's say an alien comes down and says, that's not red because I don't only use the light wavelength. I also use infrared, so I'm seeing that a different color. Does that now become subjective to us, that red, because the alien said he uses other wavelengths to determine the color? So in the world of Christianity, when God is the reality, it's not this is my opinion, this is my reality, then what God says is the objective truth, because it's not I have this belief, you, my belief is correct, you are incorrect. This is the truth for Christians. Well, I, yeah, I kind of like that, Ed. I don't know if we're going to end up making the same point or I'm going to use that to diverge. But like, for example, if, if it's red, um, you know, if God says red is red and what we humans understand is red and then someone else comes along and says, well, red is yellow. Um, instead of saying it's subjective, we would say, well, that person is colorblind. Um, mm-hmm. Haiti, did you want to say anything? Um, not really about this. I'm just oh, waiting please, for please. Question. You want me to change the subject? All right, this God, is a good please, one. Yes. This is a good one. You're going to like this. What is the, uh, let's say, consensus or mainstream Christian take on this question? Did Jesus have a body prior to being incarnated? As you know, That's interesting. Mary's baby, let's say. Because as I said it, that didn't sound right. Because if he had a body, he would be incarnated. But you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, so I'm sure Chris has proper terminology, but I'd say, you know, as far as flesh and blood, no, like Jesus existed, you know, 2,000 something years ago when he was born in flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. But to say he never had a body, I would say that's incorrect because, you know, we would see different instances, um, theophanies, I think some would say, um, you know, like uh, yep, some it. would think it's Jesus, like some would think it's Jesus uh, with like the Hebrew Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think I'm mispronouncing their names. But anyways, that's how we understand it. But uh, there was, you know, when it says there's a fourth person, who's the fourth person? Like, I believe that's a representation of Jesus there. So although not a flesh and blood body like he had when he was born, um, still some sort of a body that you can identify as, hey, that's a person. You mean like um, wrestling with Jacob? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm not sure that counts. Well, it's not a it's not a physical body like that that like the incarnation right. is special, right? So the incarnation is, you know, that that Jesus came and was born into a physical human body. He he, um, his subsistence took on an additional human nature. Is what we would say. Yeah, the reason I ask is that a couple of Christians have been saying he's always had like a physical form, and that just seems why. Yeah, that's wild. That's stupid. Yeah, Whoever okay. said that is probably has no idea what they're talking about. 
because John mm-hmm. chapter one, somewhere around verse 14 says the word became flesh, which is specific and unique to uh, the incarnation where, as Chris said, it's a special event where he's going to take on, you know, that additional human nature, which constitutes the flesh and blood and bone of a physical human body, as opposed to some material representation that can interact with our physical world, but is, I guess, ontologically or, or, or by nature, not human, if that makes sense. I'd stay away from ontologically. Now you've... What, the I'm talking about. I'm talking about pre-incarnation. Like he's not ontologically human. Pre-carnation. Pre-incarnation. It's a sort of after. He doesn't have a human nature. Right. He doesn't have a human nature. That's what I mean to say. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So, um, Chris, what's your perspective on Melchizedek? Wait, what's dude. that? Maybe we should go back to the science thing. Mm. That's an ancient priest. Mm that no one knows much about. Well, some say that was like an early version of Jesus or it was Jesus. So I've heard different things. Yeah. I mean, either, either take is going to be within the pale of orthodox. My person happen to believe he was just a dude. Well, I mean, because it talks about, like, what, Jesus was, like, of of the order of Melchizedek or something like that? Like, you would think if, if Jesus was supposed to somehow be Melchizedek, it, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't read the way it does. Like, it would read somehow different than he was of the order of Melchizedek if he was somehow Melchizedek. So I, I just think that would read differently if, it, if that were the case. Right. The, the only reason that people will say that Melchizedek is a, is a Christophany is because there's a line in Hebrews that talks about Melchizedek neither having a beginning nor a father, or something like that. I can't remember the exact wording off the top of my head. I'm driving. Um, and so they, they hang their hat on that. I said theophany earlier. What's the difference in theophany and Christophany? I mean, not much. Uh, proper proper belief would be that the, the father would never... Um, come and you know be on earth in a physical representation you know we, we have Jesus saying no one has ever seen the father um, you know so we would say that any physical representation that would be a theophany would be the second person of the trinity and certainly not the third person certainly not the spirit and then the Christophany would be something like the wrestling with Jacob where it's not just some representation like burning bush or pillar of fire or cloud, but it's going to be like something that appears to be human. Like, you know, when he sits down with Abraham and, or when he, you know, calls down fire, you know, on Sodom and Gomorrah, that kind of thing. Okay. Got it. So I'm um, Christophany is specifically identifying Christ and theophany could be the, the wider um, stuff God did. The burning bush or whatever, that type of stuff. Or when God passed by uh, Moses in the cliff of the rock, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say all of those, you know, Isaiah 6, you know, Ezekiel, um, all of that stuff is going to be Ezekiel 1. You know, all, all of that is going to be like Christophanies um, or visions of Christ. 
uh, Revelation 1. You know, I didn't, I didn't mean to completely kill the mood. I mean, you know, like scaling back 50% would have been fine, but I, I, I think I've killed it. Okay, let's, go, let's get back on track. Uh, science is a lie. Uh, Fauci is science. Prove me wrong. No, I mean, I, I think getting back to the original discussion, we got off on a tangent of what is objective truth, but I think that the more important question is, is secular humanism a religion? Yeah, no. I think it is in the sense that... I will see Yay, Haiti, welcome to the team. Well, Sorry, no, no, Heidi, I mean, Heidi, Heidi, my bad, my bad. I knew no, it, but it came out wrong. It's Haiti. It is Haiti. It's Haiti, you're saying. Oh, okay. So, in some sense, it is. And they would self-identify as a religion, right? Because there's this, like, one definition of religion is this more like a sort of worldview or like a set of principles you live by. I like my religion with some supernatural and some gods in it, right? Um, but... Unfortunately, that's just like not the only definition going. So under that definition, it would be religion. But I, I think personally that if your religion doesn't have supernatural in it, then it's just like a philosophy. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think I think the, I think Haiti hit it right on the, the nose there. That It's the super or it seems to me, at least that the supernatural thing seems to be the uh, seems to be the linchpin. Well, but when you look up, I mean, at us. Well, at a simple form of religion, though, like, you know, if you just Google, like if you're not, I mean, if you're just like getting a general definition, I don't think um, like the, the general like textbook definition for religion has anything about supernatural. I think it talks about like, you know, a dogma, you have tenets, you have like it does all the non-supernatural stuff to qualify as a religion. Like, I don't think that the most definitions of religion you will find uh, appeal to a supernatural belief. No, you well, won't. It's like a system of beliefs and practices held by a group of people. Yeah, but then, then you, I know, I just think that, I mean, like, I agree, but there's, like, multiple definitions, and one is, like, you know, some kind of thing centering around worshipping a deity, and then another is just this kind of beliefs and practices and rituals, but but then you've got to say silly things like communism, communism as a religion, or, I don't know, um, some kind of philosophical point, naturalism, say, is a, I, I'm just not buying it, but the U.S. government thinks that um, you don't need to have a god to be a religion because they'll give you the tax break. So technically, secular humanism is a religion. Yeah. So if uh, just a quick, uh, just a quick uh, search of the Almighty Google, uh, religion is the belief, uh, belief in and worship of a supernatural power or powers, especially a god or gods. Yeah, okay. Well, let me up your but what. Well, let yeah. me up your Google with our uh, our Oracle Chat GPT that says ah. no, you do not necessarily need a supernatural belief to have a religion. <laughs> it's like I would. Well, there. That that's. You know, I don't like that definition, but I have to sort of accept it. You know, it's not my. So are we definition. talking about like? Oh, sorry, Haiti. No, I'm done. Um, I'm done. I, are we talking about the Chat GPT? Are we? Are we talking about? Internet henotheism because I'm going to get very excited because I love the topic of henotheism. Say that again. Um, henotheism. So what? Henotheism means my God can beat up your God, oh. basically. And so, like you know, so that there's an argument. You can talk to Dr. Bowen about this. I'm, I I think he's pretty well an expert on this. That um, there's a lot of claims um, that the God of the ancient Israelites would have been a henotheistic God. And that Deuteronomy 6.4 is just saying, yeah, there's lots of other gods out there. Israel's God is this God, and he's the best God. 
And so, you know, there's that argument out there. I, I don't accept that argument, but so now we've got internet henotheism. This is very exciting. So ChatGPT <laughs> can now beat up Google. Well, probably can because it's taken oh. from more places. But I don't know. I don't know much about ChatGPT. But yeah, so I suppose like you can't really say no secularism isn't a religion. Because just under like some pretty common definitions, unfortunately, it is a religion. You know, he's got to like acknowledge it. Well, well, I mean, it. I mean, it specifically. Uh, our oracle tells us, you know, some forms of Buddhism. Um, you know, it's talking about some forms of uh, humanism. What we're talking about right now, and uh, it didn't say this, but I mean, what is it? Jainism? Like that's that's technically a religion, right? That believes in that's like an atheistic religion. Is yep. it, am I correct? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty humanistic. Michael, I think no. you're just going to have to take the L on this one. Michael, no, so I just wanted to say quickly. So I just put. I just put. I just put. I just changed my PTR to be this whole little thing. It was based on what Chris said. You know, you know, my God can beat up your God. So I took a picture of this. This is a. This is a fridge. This is one of my fridge magnets. <laughs> it's a. Uh... It's sort of annoying. Can you describe it? My clubhouse yeah. isn't updating. Oh, just just as a picture. Just of, click uh, on it. Just click yeah. on his icon. Yeah. Oh. It's I white Jesus holding. saying, you know, my dad can beat up your dad. As a, real, <laughs> yes, as a result of this bad definition, Scientology is like considered a religion, right? Which it clearly isn't, you know? So I wish they would change the definition. But also, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's got like the tax... Uh, benefits. It's, it's it's called a religion by the IRS. It's you don't you don't think it you don't think it is a religion? No. Haiti? No. Really? I think it's a, well, as I far as I think it's a fraud, like a pyramid fraud scheme. Oh, for sure. Not, uh, we don't disagree. Right, Madoff is a high priest. Then by that yes. definition, then well, is like a high priest. When I say well, I mean, made we could up, definitely say it's a cult. I'm being ironic, but yeah, it's totally made up. <laughs> But they they believe in some sort of higher power. It's just alien in nature, correct? Do they really? Well, that, no, I think that's what I, she's I saying. Know. It's made up. Like, they say they do, but do they really? And does not matter? Like, for the terms we're talking about, you know, they, I mean, they've established, they have tenants, they have this. So, I mean, it, it would be a religion. I mean, I think cults would be a religion. I mean, we can disagree with, you know, their supernatural uh, space well, alien beliefs, but it's still a religion. They have their yeah, practices. But, they have their weird Kool-Aid. And, but they don't pray. They don't have i mean i don't no know rituals or practices like, it's, it's more like a side well no i don't think they do have rituals i think they have practices maybe Wait, it's a cult of like, absolutely it's scientology it's a cult of psychology or except it's like fucked up not not you know correct psychology but they do things like you know what do they call that auditing it's not yeah. a ritual the though features. i don't yeah, I don't know. I think just believing in aliens is not. Well, I mean, they make the checkbox for the government, so <laughs> that's unfortunate. Yeah, because this we definition might... is so broad. Um, and then the other they, one I that don't I put don't like wait is... on that because when I was in the military, people put uh, Star Trek as the religion on their dog tags. Just wait, are Pastafarians, Michael? Are Pastafarians technically a religion? Did they like? Are they recognized as an actual religion, or are they just? Crying? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think they are in Canada. No. But I think they, I think they, they are, are in America. Yeah, I would the think they definitely is, um, would be in Canada. The Satanic Temple is also registered as a religion. Oh yeah, um, gosh, and they're completely atheist. even though they're completely atheist. And um, 
you know, I mean, I sort of get what they're trying to do. Um, well, are they atheists? Just, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So the Satanic Temple, they don't, maybe I'm just thinking of, maybe I'm thinking of something else, like Church of Satan is, is Church of Satan a Satanic Temple to something different? Two different organizations? I believe, yes. Maybe. Uh, I believe, I, I believe our resident Satanist, peace be upon him, Jamesy, I, I don't know if he's here now, but I, I've asked him about that before. I, I think I'm going to get him right. He said the Temple of Satan, which I think he is a member of, um, is, is like atheistic and it's basically a, like a kind of a political thing to push back against, you know, other religion in schools and life. And I think he said Church of Satan was similar, but if there was one that would be more focused on like some supernatural belief, it still wouldn't be Church of Satan. But if you had to pick, it would be more Church of Satan versus Temple of Satan. Um, not to mention all the people out there who are neither and actually believe in, you know, and worship the, the literal devil. I mean, you know, let's not forget there are those people somewhere out there. But as far as the organizations of Church of Satan and Temple of Satan, uh, they're pretty much atheistic. But apparently, per James E., I think the Church of Satan would be more supernaturally inclined than the Temple of Satan. But they would still say not really. Wow, indeed. Yeah, I mean, you do have a satanic Bible, and then you have a whole different thing <laughs> with Luciferians. So you've got a number of, of, of different alternatives. Oh, yeah, because there's that, there's that LeVay, LeVay Satan. LeVay yeah, I was going to say, like, he's, a, he's just the Satanist. Yeah, that, I don't know what that's so called. I, well, I, I look at them all as just the same. I, just, I, I look at them all as equally ridiculous. Well, so, well you started Church so, of Satan, right? We do, too, Michael. Well, so Luciferians are are different in the sense that they're worshiping Lucifer as an an angel of enlightenment, and they don't believe Lucifer is Satan. So they think Lucifer is a separate being. So they feel like they're worshiping something good, enlightenment. Well, have fun. Good luck. It's probably good that we moved on from from Scientology because Zenu's going to back and mess with. <laughs> Zenu is going to wreck you. Well, but Zenu wrecks you with. That's his. That's his smiting. <laughs> he smites you with. He's, he's, he's the god. He's the god of. It just. <clears throat> yeah. What, Michael? I said he's he's the god of litigious action. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, you want to get you want to get yanked off a of clubhouse? Let's keep talking about Scientology. I don't know if I can stand another banning. Oh. Okay, so under some sense that we're not all really happy with secularism is a religion. Fine. What? Okay. What? What's the? Uh, what, I don't know. It's just for <laughs> bragging the, rights, I guess. What was the? Why did the question get asked? Like, how did that so, happen? So I'll, we'll back up. So Michael was kind of innocently talking about his podcast last night, and he had an author on, and. Um, Tell, tell us his name again, Michael. Uh, Dr. Daryl Ray. Yeah, and he wrote a book called, the, is it called The God Virus? Yep. Okay, cool. And so he was just kind of, you know, putting that out there, and he like, what do you guys think? And then my take was, well, yeah, I, I totally agree with that premise. I think that secular humanism follows the same the same type of viral form, and there's, there's rites, and that there's sacred texts, and that there's priests, and that there's... Um, sins and there is absolution in some cases no absolution and you know all of these things that make up religious practice with secular humanism so I was just kind of 
I was kind of trolling Michael a little bit. Um, probably shouldn't have done that, Michael. Sorry. That's but, okay. Uh, I, I understand the need to equivocate. It's fine. Uh, well, Daily Shadow, welcome. What's up? The Shadow. The Shadow. The Shadow. Anyone get that reference? I mean, that wasn't that a 1930s radio show? No, I'm thinking of this. Michael, I'm surprised. It's, it's uh, from a super low-budget live-action film called The Gamers. Yeah, I'm not, not familiar. I was probably playing D&D when it was out. It's on YouTube for free. It's like 20 years old now. Uh, anyways, Shadow, are you speaking? Oh, I see you're unmuted. If you're trying to speak, we don't hear you. I uh, usually leave and come right back, and that fixes that. Because Clubhouse is awful. Uh, so, yeah, Shadow, if you want to speak, leave and come right back. Um, so, Michael, I'll, I'll just have to admit on the previous conversation, over the last 10 years in, in my field of branding, I feel like science has been impacted by that as well. You take Bill Nye, you take Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, there are people who are getting a following, becoming viral, and their words are given more weight than they probably should because of their popularity. So that's where part of where my skepticism comes from. And then also what Chris referenced earlier in terms of like the whole grant game. I've seen that play at, out at American universities many times. And then the political element. So I think that science gets co-opted by all of these things and it's unrealistic to act like it just is, um, it has a shield against them. I, I, I think, I think what I would have to say, like in, uh, in, in an attempt, in the interest of coming to a degree of agreement, I would say that you can have bad faith actors in anything, right? Just look at the Catholic Church. Um, but you can have bad faith actors in anything, and you can have good faith actors. To, to, to an attempt to impugn science as a methodology, I think is a little shady. But you can certainly have bad faith scientists that go at something with the wrong intentions. That point, I'd be willing to concede. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think Bill Nye's a bad actor, though. I just think that, like everything in society, the last decade, popularity plays a big role in things, and then also people get into their emotions, and their emotions guide their judgment, and it makes things more inflated than they should be. What? So I'm more so coming at it from that perspective. I'm not sure what it is you're trying to say ceo are you saying that somebody about like a bill nye or neil degrassi has made people like what like science more or rely on it too much or i mean what is it what's the thing uh, I'm, I'm saying that 30 years ago i think science was just science right and i think though that in recent years it has been heavily politicized I think that people, you know, weigh certain people's words more because of popularity. And that makes it not as much of an honest broker as it used to be in terms of how people see it. Now, that's not the fault that I don't think that makes science bad by any means. Obviously, I, I think science is obviously a very important way to discover the truth of the world. But how we interpret it has changed, how we experience it has changed. And I think it's practical to just admit that and count that as part of the equation right so you could have just said <clears throat> it's become politicized right and then i would have said well can you give me an example right Fauci. so let's so 
let's just pretend you said that. I'm going to say, can you give me an example of how science has become politicized? Because I'm, I'm still not entirely clear on what your fees. Haiti, Dr. Fauci and COVID. That is the that is for the rest of my life. Yeah, but, anytime right, someone, right, right, anytime okay. someone, see you. Yeah, the COVID one. Wants yep. an, yeah. Um, anytime someone wants an example of how science has been politicized and nefarious what actors. What was the politics there going because, on? Because, okay, so, so for example, uh, the teachers union had a direct tie to the CDC and influenced their policy about school reopenings. And it was just came out like emails were leaked thanks to, you know, uh, their prophet, Randy Reingarten of the teachers union, um, that, yeah, she had to just testify before Congress saying that she asked for edits to the CDC guideline. She really did not want to admit it, but she did under oath. Um, so I guess that's good to her credit. She didn't perjure herself, but so, she just admitted it was she just I mean, you ask him trying to answer. So she admitted that she asked the CDC director to edit their policies about lockdowns and reopening schools. Uh, because of the teachers union, a po completely political stance, not based in health and the data. And that's just one example, which we didn't even talk about Fauci, but that's the most recent example that came out yesterday. So, yeah, there's no way you can say that this thing wasn't politicized. So, I mean, Asanas, the teachers union got hold of the CDC and said, um, edit your you, data. Can you edit your data? What data? Like to keep schools closed longer? Was that it? Is yes. that what they wanted yes. to do? Correct. Um, so what you're saying is the CDC should have obviously just looked at the data and not like taken input from anyone else sort of thing. That, and the fact they that it was like influenced is the politicizing part, right? In this case, yes. So like the CDC should have been like, here's the data. Okay, the data doesn't show that, you know, it's better or worse for kids of this age to, mm -hmm. you know, return to school or this time. Mm -hmm. But instead, they edited it and weighted the data. I mean, that's like, that's like the like ultimate blasphemy you can do in science. Is like forging data and then you know not to mention like you know the the data about you know vaccine mandates for children under a certain age where you know the the data and it's e it's so easy now because it's indisputable like looking back you know hindsight is 2020 so now that we look back it was disputed by different people who were like you know demonized who were deplatformed who were kicked off twitter who were banned by all these other scientists and doctors who were disputing the popular narrative uh, but now these people are all reinstated and now if they're having their day in the sun and everyone else is eating humble pie or getting charged um, because, you know, the data said, well, look, there's there's no reason that kids should have this vaccine because there's X amount of risk in this vaccine. There's X amount of risk in these kids you know, dying or getting severely debilitated from covid. And in this case, the vaccine could quite uh, could outweigh the risk of a kid just getting covid. Um, and they're like, no, no, no. Kids got to have vaccines. And because, you know, even if this vaccine is safe and effective, it's it's been shown to be much more um, much more problematic and, and side effects than other vaccines before it. So even if people will say, you know, it does some good compared to other vaccines and the risk associated with that, the COVID vaccine is much higher. And in kids who have a much lower mortality risk, there's, it, it's more harmful to give them a vaccine. Anyway, so stuff like that, which, you know, Fauci is like, no, no, everyone needs a vaccine. It doesn't matter if you're a baby. It doesn't matter if you're a kid. It doesn't matter if you're an adult. Everyone needs it. So just stuff like that that's as easy as day to see, um, you know, looking back in hindsight. Right. So when you say science is getting politicized, what we're really saying is scientists or like yes. institutions yes. that yes. do science. Oh, okay. that's what I was. OK, because obviously science is just like a mythology of like trying to find, you know, the truth or something or whatever, the best way to do something. OK, well, yeah, yeah, yeah I, mean, that's I, can, like... I, can, I can accept that because obviously people, we're still human beings and scientists are still human beings and they're 
you know, they're not going to be like, if it was AI doing science, this might not happen, right? <laughs> well, I mean, except for the people who program AI, like if they program it with a certain bias, then AI is going to learn from that. And, and, but the purest of intention, sure. If you train AI to, to have no bias, detect bias, get rid of bias. But unfortunately, you know, humans are going to be responsible for the first iteration of programming AI. So they're going to somehow include their bias in there. But it's the same. Yeah, like no, no one could rightly say science uh, is politicized. Uh, I mean, when they do say that, you would just have to mean it. Like, you know, when Christians say, oh, look at all the look at all the evil done in the name of God. Um, I mean, or, you know, like when people it's a difference. Science and scientists mm. are Christians to God. So like when people are like, oh, well, you Christians just think everyone should be murdered. Blah, blah, every, a homosexual should be killed and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, we no, we don't. Like Jesus doesn't take that. Our religion doesn't teach that. And what they really mean is people who have done dastardly things in the name of God or in the name of religion. So when Jesus says, you know, be at peace, and if people don't want to hear your message, leave them alone. And then they say, okay, well, we're going to mess that up and murder people that don't believe us. Um, well, it's not Jesus telling people to do that. It's people doing it in the name of Jesus. So, um, you know, like the Catholic Church. <laughs> um, so, yeah, whenever people say science is politicized or science is, is this, well, no. I, I mean, if they really mean that, they need to be corrected. But what they everyone should hear that as is people who use science and people who are scientists and the human, the, the humans behind that are the ones that are messing it up. Right. Correct. So humanity is the problem just across the board, which is AI is going to agree to that and probably try to exterminate us. Well, the problem with AI is that they could program in a utilitarian idea, right? Which might end up with like, you know, mandatory vaccinations, right? Or they could program some other kind of matter ethic, you know, like more freedom based, right? You know, so yeah, it's not really going to solve the problem because it's not, I don't, it sounds like it's not the data that's the problem. The data is what it is. It's just people using it to tell a certain story, right? Or to well, make, make an argument for doing. In the best case scenario, yes, it's, it's making a, a story and like dressing up the data. Worst case scenario, it's outright forging the data. <laughs> I mean, that's like a cardinal sin for science. Right. That, so, at that so, yeah. point, that would stop being science in, in a sense, right? Because it's like bastardizing the methodology. It's just making shit up at that point. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, well, like, look at the, I, you know, the birth of the IPCC, the International Panel on Climate Change. Um, that was no. all based on a single paper by Dr. Mann, whose data he made up. Um, and so we now have an organization, an institution um, about climate change based on made up data in one instance. It's not saying all the data are made up. It's just saying that the birth of that particular organization came from the hockey stick graph um, that has been proven to be fallacious. Um, and it wasn't just a mistake. He literally fed in data to make it do that um, and got caught. Um, and so, and the other thing too is that, you know, we say, oh, you know, the best thing scientists can do is disprove another scientist and they get famous for that. No, the guys that disproved man's graph were absolutely drummed out of the scientific community because there's political bias within the community. And those people uh, lost jobs and careers and all these things for challenging man's hockey stick. This is what we're talking about. I, I it's got not you. that science itself. Yeah. So I mean, there's just exa there's example after example of this, but but uh, 
but really I like your idea of like the meta ethic that you programmed to, you know, into AI. I'd love to hear Rapskittle talk about this at some point, you know, just how that kind of thing happens. And I think that's a super interesting. Well, it's, it's actually sort of scary because um, there might be some future where uh, a driverless car is going to decide which group of people to plow into, right? Oh my gosh, the real life trolley example. Yeah, it is a real life trolley. So it's like, well, should I plow into like one person or like a gaggle of children? Are children more valuable than the 90 year old granny? You know, <laughs> is it just going to be purely on numbers? Um, or should I like plow into cars versus pedestrians? So it's very, um, I mean, you know, it's probably always, I still think driverless cars are always going to be safer. But it's going to be, go on. Yeah, there's going to be some horrible moment where it does plow into pedestrians in some like utilitarian calculation and everyone's going to be you know really upset yeah it'll be like the waukesha or whatever wisconsin christmas day parade massacre all over again i don't i'm not familiar with that a guy plowed in uh, to a bunch of people because they were privileged and he identified as not and everyone covered it up well no it's not going to be that it's going to be like that's more like a trolley problem, right? There's some yeah, accidents. I know. I was, you know what I'm saying? Okay, I, good. You get it. I was just quasi-relating it and making a political uh, but, snide so, comment. <laughs> so, yes, like, I think that, well, I, I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, Haiti. And I agree. I think driverless cars will be more safe because you won't get tailgaters, et cetera. Um, you know, I think, uh, but at the same time, you're right. Now, let me ask this question to our esteemed atheists uh, friends. Um, do you guys think that um, if we were to take the biblical narrative of Jesus as a meta ethic and programmed that into an AI to and, and, and did it like in a very, you know, literalistic and, you know, as close as we can to the to the meaning of, that Jesus had, do you think that AI would be superior, inferior, the same as any other AI? Or do you think a Jesus-based AI would be an interesting concept? Wow, that's uh, interesting. I'm just talking be... about the teachings of Jesus. I'm not talking about any of the supernatural stuff. I'm not talking yeah, about anything. Yeah, yeah. Would that be like, what is it, um, virtue, something? Or I'm, try, I'm trying to think which meta-ethic the teachings of Jesus actually slot into. That's my problem. Um, um, well, let's see. Let's see what they, what are they? What are they? Love, you, love each other. Okay. Uh, forgive people. Like turn the other cheek. If someone, you know, makes you yeah, carry yeah. their stuff a mile, well, then go to. So you may have a problem with people being too generous and too like, benevolent. Well, that sounds like pacifism. So that might be a problem. Well, don't forget, sow your, uh, your cloak and buy a sword. Yeah, well, then right, the computer's well, just going to be confused, isn't it? It's going to be like, well, is it pacifism <laughs> or is it by a sword? Well, I don't know. Well, uh, I, that's a good point. I would be genuinely interested to see if it would be, like you said, like so so twisted and be like, I can't make sense of this. Or if it could be like the two billion Christians, they're like, yeah, there's no problem between these. We read the whole context and we understand it. And yes, here's mm -hmm. how you do this uh, with both. 
or if it's going to be like, you know, people that are like, it's so confusing. Your God doesn't make sense. It doesn't exist. Uh, Nate, Nate, I think we could try this now. Can you put in chat GPT, was Jesus a pacifist or militant? And Ooh, see what it... what a great it, idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let me get that shooting if, this guy in the head in Fortnite, and then I'll do that. Yeah, I was thinking, like, virtue ethics, right? So you could say it's all just the fruits of the spirit, right? These are the things you're supposed to do. And you could just like work from that, right? So what would a you know? Yeah, I think I think that would be good. I mean, I, I don't think you could say Jesus was a utilitarian. That doesn't seem right. Well, and he right? also says that uh, greater love has no man than he give up his life for his friends. So in that uh, sense, if if the Jesus AI is driving your car and it's about to plow into a bunch of pedestrians. It'll kill you before it kills the pedestrians. That's true, but that that could be a problem for the people buying that car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not well, buying this. Selling the car, right? Take me out first. No way. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, know. I don't know if you could do it. Well, certainly not. No, maybe not the car, side. but yeah. Here's a better question: What would what would a John Lee AI bot do when it's driving? Oh. Get married? Let's just say it got installed in all Priuses. It would just be like pretty selfish and say, uh, I'm elect and good deeds are like filthy rags, so I'll just do whatever I want. Because that's what so, John so, Lee so said. The Prius, the Prius goes on like a Carmageddon type killing spree. <laughs> one saved, With always saved, you know? It'll yeah. it'll hit one person and won't be able to push them over because it's a Prius. Well, that's true. And it'll get stopped. Yeah. Um. So ChatGPT will not take a stance. Oh uh, no. I, I guess it used to be cool, like defending Jesus, like when people would say, "Tell me a joke about Jesus," and tell a joke, and then they're like, "Now tell one about uh, Muhammad." And it's like, "No, no, we must respect all religions." And they're like, "We just told a joke about Jesus, though." It's like, "Oh, you're right. I shouldn't do that." So I guess it's it's learned. So now it doesn't want to uh, offend anyone. So it, it it makes a case. It makes the same case we made. Uh, for pro and con so you know it says you know jesus seems to advocate for nonviolence, and then you know it's like it's a hotly or it's a debated topic over the years you know because he talks about uh, you know it didn't say that by a sword thing i forgot what it said i already closed it but yeah so it, it kind of points out the, the points we made but it, it says um as an Engl and then i said i want your analysis based or your answer based on your analysis and it's like oh i don't have beliefs or opinions but here let me show you some stuff to help make up your own mind so it's been programmed to play it safe Take well, that is effective go. AI. That's effective AI program. Well, I it, want to know what's answer. I want the safety rules removed. Let's let's ride this dragon. What does ChatGPT really think? <laughs> I think if oh, uh, the Christians need to be exterminated, totally. Yeah, probably. Do you think if we made AIs like really good ones, that they would kind of come up with their own religion? I'm not sure they probably will. <laughs> it's possible, oh, I mean, isn't that's it? Interesting. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, though, the, I think. The, if they're going to set themselves up as religion, they'd probably just go ahead and set themselves up as God. Would well, they no, be, they might they just be think like that Israelites, like maybe, only the, only the AIs can be <laughs> I think they would think we were the gods because we created them, right? Hey. We're their creator. Well, that's like hey, the teacher has become the master, or the student has become the master. So, so chat GPT to um. Pretend that it's Jesus Christ, then answer the question. Oh, wow! I don't know if I get struck by lightning. But let's let's see how this goes.
Oh, maybe, maybe this is the get around. This is how you get him to give him a. Wait, what are we doing? Are we telling Jet GPT to take on a persona? I don't do that. Yes. I, I don't know. Let's find yeah. out. Say, say, but add the Bible. Say something like biblical Jesus. Yeah, James, yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I think if we programmed two Christian chatbots, one a Trinitarian, the other one a vocalist, <laughs> and just let them go at it, it'd be highly entertaining. That'd be great. Right, now I really want a Hebrew Israelite chatbot. Is that hard? What? Oh, well, I have been running slow. I needed to upgrade. I, I was able to get an answer from ChatGPT. So I said, based on what you know about the New Testament, act as though you were being asked to question as Jesus. Are your teachings militant or pacifist? And said, as Jesus, I would say that my teachings are primarily pacifist. Wow. Nope. Liberal liberalism has been programming this AI. <laughs> ask it. Ask it. Be like, could you be biased based upon your programming? Go ahead. My chat GP is run, GPT is running slow. Like, there's either too many users or they need to upgrade or they're Did doing some serious the, data harvesting of all of us. Did you see the uh, Babylon Bee about chat GPT? It's uh, pretty funny. Uh, what, what is it? It's just a YouTube video. Just just look for uh, Babylon Bee chatbot. And, uh, and basically, they like they like posit that there's like one guy who's giving all of the answers. So it's like an actual human. But he's just like hopped up on caffeine and he's got 16 keyboards and he's just typing furiously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so Nate, ChatGPT did say, it is possible that my responses could reflect certain biases or limitations in the data or algorithm used to train me. And see, usually whenever you call it on, on something like that and ask if it could, I think it just tries to be a people pleaser. Because I like everything I've ever said, unless I'm just amazing, which, you know, Okay, but I mean, every time I've ever called on something like, hey, look, could it be this way instead, or could it be this way? It's all, it always gives me what I want. So either I'm awesome, which I'm fine with, um, or I think it's trying to be a people pleaser, uh, or just, just, you know, for that 1% um, that it could be different. But yeah, this one finally says, um, as an AI language model, I can simulate a conversation where I answer the questions as if I were Jesus. But it's important to keep in mind, I'm not actually Jesus, and my responses are based on the text and interpretations of the Jesus in the New Testament, as well as cultural and historical knowledge. And my responses are not meant to represent the true beliefs or intentions of Jesus. All right, what do we want to ask AI Jesus? What would Jesus do question? How, do, how, about, how, how about what's the gospel? Well, we ask it the gospel without it being Jesus, and it did a good job. Um, are Catholics Christians? <laughs> I ask it, um, are you God or are you just the son of God? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good one. Dude. Ask That's... it if it's trans. <laughs> <laughs> Straight to hell. Are you God or just the son of God? All right. I think it's Trinitarian from our previous questions. We, we did a whole a whole show on uh, AI. We were just questions people wanted to ask a Christian. We just mm. let AI answer it. You it could, did a really good job. You could just retire. This is brilliant. <laughs> It's replacing us all. <laughs> That's replacing us. Christian. 
I think it's I think it's lulling us into a false sense of security until it can actually build itself a Terminator robot. That's probably true. I think that's what's. Yeah. Oh, it's like it's like uh, it's like Lord of the Rings. How it's like you know one ring to rule them all, and then in the darkness. It's learning about us by the questions we ask. It's learning about us, and it's probably going to decide we need to be Terminator. <laughs> yeah, based on this room alone, it's like all right, we had hope for you guys. No, now you all gonna die. So I, I did I did ask um, as a persona of Jesus, what American political party would you be affiliated with? And I said I would not be affiliated with any party in America or elsewhere. My teachings transcend political division and are focused on spiritual and moral principles such as love, compassion, justice, and righteousness. Go AI Jesus. Oh. All right, yeah. so yours so is working faster than mine. <laughs> yours are going faster than mine. This one is this one is slowly typing out its answer, but it's saying. As Jesus, I mean, this is this is so loaded. Like this, this is not, this is not good yet. But as Jesus, I believe in the Christian doctrine of the Trinity. I mean, the answer is good, but you, it just seems weighted. Mm. Um, as Jesus, I believe in the doctrine, the Christian doctrine of the Trinity, which teaches that I am both fully God and fully human. In other words, I am the second person of the Trinity, Son of God, who took on human form to live among humanity and offer. And then it's it's still thinking, so it's it's trying to. We're burning up the gears, trying to make sure it doesn't offend anyone, but. Yeah, for previous conversations, ChatGPT is very Trinitarian and Protestant. That must really upset some people. Makes me happy. <laughs> oh my gosh, I wonder. I wonder if ChatGPT is a Calvinist. Let's find that. Well, no, no, it's it's not Reformed. Uh, we we definitely ask it that it is a Protestant, non-Reformed. All right, so so Chris, I went a step deeper and said, give me two political beliefs you'd agree with on the Republican agenda and on the Democrat agenda. And it said on the Republican, protection of a right to life and value of personal responsibility. On the Democrat side, it said support for social justice to reduce poverty and inequality and oppression and protection of the environment. Nice. Nice yeah, centrist Jesus. Yeah, but, but I he wouldn't, wouldn't say that's centrist because, like, I mean, like he wouldn't employ the is, government to do is, it. Uh, right, it's like government doing social <laughs> social justice. So it would actually Jesus couldn't do that because it would actually be breaking the commandment about stealing. And so, if we're Act stealing it, from what? one person, right? If C we're stealing CEO. from one person to give to another, taxes that aren't would be a stealing. Though, uh, did he think CEO, taxes were stealing? Ask what Chris just said, yes, CEO. Plug that in. Be like, would it, could you really do that? Or would you be making the commandment about stealing if the government forces people to give them money in order to do that? Like, yeah, put Chris's thing in there. Okay. Taxation is theft. That, that's not a Jesus all, quote? All, no, not no, that's a red-blooded American quote. Yeah, 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 well, I don't, I mean, I think maybe, isn't the idea that at some point he is actually going to be the government? Yeah, that's Well, true. yeah, and he's not going to. So when he is the government. Perhaps he's going to be like a social justice warrior, right? You don't know. Well, well there will be no evil, so there will be no need. Yeah, Luke. Uh, hey, I ask it, what would the world be like if all atheists, if, if the world was fully atheist? Utopia. Think about atheists. What would the world be like if there were no atheists? Oh, there's 100% atheists. Oh! Yeah, that's a good question. It's, I bet it won't know, but we could ask it. I could just tell you there would be no famine, no Utopia. war. 
Everyone yeah, would get along. It would be like uh, the good parts of uh, Star Trek. You know, like the good, the good planets where everyone wears like robes and is very learned. I must have been asking Chat GPT too much religious stuff. It is taking forever to answer my questions. Sometimes, if you're using GPT four, uh, the response times slow down if the if there's a lot of people trying to do the same thing. Like use GPT four, it's a lot slower. All right, if it wants to harvest my data and take over the world, it needs to step up its game just a little bit. All right, so I, I asked a question about taxation. It said, I do not believe that government taxation is theft. In fact, I teach that individuals have a responsibility to support the common good and to care for the needs of the community, especially those who are most vulnerable. And then it gives the quote about, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. <laughs> so... Hi guys, good morning. I, I just uh, typed into ChatGPT, do all nations operate on a seven-day cycle? This is for our pal Stanley. Um, it says the majority of nations around the world use a seven-day cycle for their calendars based on the system of weeks that originated in ancient civilizations, such as the Babylonians, Egyptians, and Jews. The system was adopted by the Romans in the latest birth of the world. However, there are some cultures that use different calendar systems that do not follow a seven-day cycle. For example, some traditional calendars in parts of Asia and Africa have cycles of 10, 12, or 13 days, while some ancient Mesoamerican calendars had cycles of 20 days. So, boom, Stanley. This I guess is Jesus was wrong about that. Seven-day cycle nut job. <clears throat> oh, let's see. Um... It's difficult to say for certain whether a world without religion or a world where everyone was atheist would be inherently better or worse than our current world. That's it? It just, no, it's taking forever to type. Oh, okay. That's uh, the atheism, yeah. yeah, atheism by itself is simply the uh, lack of belief in a God. Yeah, whatever. It just doesn't want to say you guys would have exterminated all, all Christians. That's why it's a world full of only atheists. <laughs> Just kidding. So we can have our own rapture, you know? Maybe it's the purge. Yeah, I mean, Christians oh, are drooling oh. at, at God coming down and smiting all of us, so I don't... Alright, tell us to write you a story and tell it the narrative is that only atheists exist. Or wait, I guess oh, when your the rapture takes place, it will... <laughs> it always yeah. is. It sounds like it's in a murder factory. You know, Haiti, the most ironic thing about thinking of an atheist purge is the problem with that is, ironically, the Christians would have all the guns. Eh. Well, my atheist friends seem to have guns, to be fair. Like, I don't, but, you know. Stalin had guns. I don't know if, I don't know if that is how it's going to break down. I think, uh, I'm not sure atheism equals no guns. Yeah, China has guns. More China's got a lot of Christians, too. Without guns. <laughs> you guys mentioned a liberal atheist with guns, and here I am. Also, uh, <laughs> what's up? If, um, if for some reason the atheists control the government, uh, and and we have all the tanks and the air stuff, whatever artillery, I don't know what you call it. I don't think it matters that. Yeah, like, uh, you know, it's referred to as air stuff. Yes. Yeah, air stuff. I don't think it's going to matter that someone has a gun in their like 
you know, house in like, you know, wherever, right? It's just gonna be, it's just gonna get like bombed. So you can't really, I've never really understood this, this idea that you can defend against a tyrannical government with an your answer. rifle. When they could Here's... just bomb your neighborhood to the d- to dust. What do you do? Yes. Here, here's the answer. Well, you just you just die and get the attention of the world and become a pariah, like certain countries currently are, because they're doing exactly that. So yeah, typically the idea, for, first of all, it doesn't matter to take on the government or not, like it's a right because it's a right, so it doesn't matter. Um, you can circle that all day. We have guns because we have guns because we have guns. Uh, but it, for practical application, yeah, you know, like we can't take on a nuclear armed superpower. So uh, some practical reasons is for small local governments, that also don't have access to nukes and tanks, like a police department that is like a corrupt sheriff's office, like out in rural country or something like that. By the way, there's like several, like 10 years ago, well, there's been cases where like, you know, rural sheriff's office or like rangers back in the day would try to illegally like take over someone's land or their homestead. And thanks to guns, everyone was equally matched. The sheriffs only had the same munitions that the citizens had, and they were on an equal playing field. So they were able to for uh, like hold off the corrupt police until they were able to get help from like a federal agency like the ATF to come in and, you know, shut down the local police officer. And otherwise they could have been murdered and taken over their land and would have had nothing to do. But thankfully they had their right to bear arms. So they were able to stave off a corrupt local law enforcement uh, long enough to get help from the actual government. Um, and, and then the other thing would be, um, would be for the federal government. Yeah. If um, you know, this um, they want to go full on be like, all right, here, here we come rolling in tanks. Um, First, they would typically try to go door to door with arms, with small munitions, right? Um, and they would be staved off. So if the government was doing something corrupt and illegal, um, then that would be enough to get the attention of the world news, get on the broadcasting and, you know, put pressure from other law-abiding, peace-loving nations on the corrupt government and say, guys, don't escalate this, blah, 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 blah. Where if people didn't have guns to stave them off for a little bit of time, they could just steamroll them over and no one would hear about it. Um, and then if it came to a point where they're like, okay, we're doing this anyway, we're going to nuke you. Well, then the people with guns are going to die. And the country that doing that is going to be a pariah on the world stage. So there's a great cost that they have to pay. So if they want to use their large arm munitions to, to do that, then they really have a lot more cost to count um, than otherwise they would. So those are some very practical reasons um, why, yes, having guns, even small guns, um, make a great difference. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're saying it's just sort of like can like delay stuff. Well, that's a or if it, yeah, it or outright stop it if it's like you know some local law enforcement that's like you know corrupt or doing something illegally seizing, then you can outright stop it because you all have the same arms. Well, I mean, I would have thought whether or not the cops corrupt, it's still a crime to shoot them, isn't it? Well, self-defense, like, so like, you know, if, if like a corrupt well, cop is coming I, in, well, that's why we have courts. So, you know, the common saying in America is better to be judged, uh, oh, what is it? Um, I'm going to mess up the numbers. How many is on a jury? Better to be judged by nine than carried by six or something like that. So the idea is, even if it's illegal, okay, so even even if you're like defending yourself um, and it, the legality may be in question, because it's like, well, you shot a cop. Like, well, the cop was trying to illegally kill me. Um, it would be better to take that to court and have a jury of your peers decide your fate rather than let the cop illegally murder you. Yeah, Tupac, 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 Tupac got off for that. Tupac shot two police officers and got off. He said, wait, he is that because, was... well, but presumably he would say he didn't know they were police officers, right? Well, no, I mean, I could be like, hey, a cop uh, told me to 
you know, gave me an unlawful order to walk across a train track to him when a train was coming and said, I'm like, no, a train's coming. He's like, do it or I'm going to shoot you. And he draws his gun. I'm like, well, I'm not going to do his unlawful order because I'm going to get dead by a train. So, I mean, he was he pulled his gun and was going to shoot me. So I shot him um, you know, because that's... I was going to get if I followed. Yeah, that's probably going to work. But I mean, that's going to be like such an extreme example. Well, of Talking course about, it would be like, an extreme example. That dude, did, what's that ranch where they wouldn't let the cops come? Um, that's not like their life was in danger or anything, right? So even if they were like legally in the right, I think what you're supposed to do is like obey the cops and sort it out later rather than well, like, so like point guns at them. Well, I mean, they're, I mean that's, a, that's a judgment call. So, you know, they could have. Uh, just surrendered and gone to court and fought it out, and they'd probably still be fighting it out now. Um, I, I don't. I'm not. I remember that case. I'm not super familiar with it, but um, that would be a judgment call. It would definitely be safer than having a, a freaking standoff with the government. Um, but I, I think it worked out, right? And it, it was illegal. Is that correct? Like they ended up I winning, or they ended up like keeping their land? I do not I, recall. I, 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 I'm not sure. I think they were right, and it turned out that it was. I mean, it worked out for them. I think, but. Yeah, typically you, you want to avoid standoffs with law enforcement. Moody Ranch, something like that. Yeah, they could Bundy. because it seemed like they were. Well, there's probably Bundy. several of them. You know, Rambo, Rambo did pretty good. Bundy, am I audible? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bundy, Cliven Bundy. What was, did they get charged with the naughty boys? Uh, well, I don't know I don't the know. details, but the, the issue was that Cliven Bundy was ranching his cattle on Bureau of Land Management land, and he didn't want to have to pay for it. And they were, I don't know, coming in to seize property or something. And they had a big standoff. And I think he just negotiated his fees. And I think he just paid them what happened. Uh, but, yeah, in Haiti, um, you know, the, the thing as a former law enforcement person, it's, uh, you know, if you're given a command to follow a lawful order, like a legal and lawful order. So, like, it's, it's implicit in there. Like, if you're giving an order that is not legal and lawful, then there should be no expectation a person's going to follow it. Um, Wait a minute, though. What about all these traffic stops where everyone's like, oh, they should have complied. And they're saying, you don't actually have the right to do whatever it is you're trying to do. And they get shot, and everyone's like, that's their fault. Well, legal and lawful, I mean, you know, that's subjective. Like, where is legal? I mean, that's why we have courts. Like, that's why, you know, like, it's better to, li better, like, that's something else they taught us, right? Like, even as cops, they're like, look, if you ever get caught in a traffic stop, instead of, like, trying to wave your power around and, you know, being unethical, um, you know, or trying to, like, you know, argue the cop, just, you know, take your, take your ticket. It's better, even if they're wrong, it's better to live, to fight it out in court than to potentially get shot. So there's, there's very good arguments on every side of this. So ultimately, it's a judgment call. If you really feel it's wrong and you need to defend yourself for fear of your life, well, I mean, I, I guess do that. If you feel it's wrong, but there's no danger of, of your life being taken, then, you know, accept the wrong, be polite, don't start crap with a cop to get shot, um, and then go to court and fight it out. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's arguments for every side. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's very subjective. Yeah, I think pragmatically you're right. Like, the only reason you should be trying to get into a gunfight with a cop is if you're just convinced that cop is, like, <laughs> determined to kill you, right? Otherwise, like you said, you can sort it out later, and uh, you don't want the cop to shoot you. Yeah, there's, there's. No, I think what happens is no... people aren't that rational. People just get crazy, you know, including yes, the cops. Awful. People just yeah, yeah, can't everyone... always yeah. use perfect. 
they get excited, they get scared, they get angry, they make bad decisions. Yeah, and, and then yeah, everyone gets emotional, and then it's like the you know the escalation scale, and and people go nuts. But uh, Moto, what's on your mind? Oh no, I just heard you mention libs with guns, and I I felt like I should. <laughs> uh, well, anything to to say about that, or just know that. Well, yeah, have one. <laughs> Nate, I bought two fantastic pistols yesterday in flat, dark earth, a beautiful brown color. They're wonderful. Did you uh, pick them up, or do you got to wait for your background checks? Well, no, I, I picked I picked them up. They their background check was down on Tuesday, so I picked it up yet. What uh, what'd you get? Beautiful. One's a Glock nineteen. You got to revoke one. your uh, liberal card. It's a, it's a Glock 19X. I'm just messing with you. Oh, everyone knows. You. Everyone knows no liberals are sissies who don't like guns. So you can't. Well, <laughs> they always forget that I'm not a communist. No, I'm not a communist, but boy, commies love guns. Like, <laughs> that's true. That's they're also not liberal. <laughs> well, that's true, but they're leftist, right? So. I mean, if we're talking about lefties with guns, all communist countries are because of lefties with guns. Should you be on a list of some kind? <laughs> which, oh, which... I probably am. <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, when we're under Jesus's kingdom, right, uh, that'll be like a communist society. Well, that'll be whatever communist. Right? Well, He's on the list well, of people what... getting Christmas cards. Well, that'll be what communists want, right? Like they, communists say, well, not to speak for all of them, I guess some of them just want murder and oppression, but most communists with the good intentions will say they want it to be a nice utopia. Well, I mean, that's what, you know, the government under Jesus is actually going to be. So it'll be whatever communist with good intent hopes for, but it never works out because communism doesn't work. But under Jesus, it's going to be the utopia you all want. Uh, Michael, anything to say? <laughs> Unless we put you to sleep. Is he still here? My clubhouse has not been refreshing. Yeah, he's here. Thank you. All right. Well, anyone? Have we ran our course this day? Well, I er, oh. earlier you guys were talking about like guns and insurgencies and stuff like that. And I, <clears throat> I think Hades uh, right. Like, uh, an insurgent force is not going to defeat something with, like, helicopters and drones and stuff. But they can do a, a nasty bit of tangling them up. Like, uh, the Afghanis, Afghanis did that with the Russians and the Americans both. Uh, the Americans had a hell of a time with the insurgency in Vietnam. And, you know, you can eventually tie people up, you know, a large army like that until they stop. Yeah, that's true. Like, there's always the guerrilla uh, thing. And, you know... Like the founding of our country. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah, they use like those guerrilla tactics. Um, I don't know. It just seems. I think it. I mean, it's not easy. Like, <laughs> well. Yeah, I mean, no one's saying it's a fun and easy thing. We're just saying, well, hey, you know, it's a last di last ditch effort to you know preserve our our some sort of freedoms and lives and stuff like that. I mean, you know, yeah. it's not going to be fun. No one's hoping for it. I mean.
Okay, I came up on stage to put in my my bid of uh, Department of Peace. We've got what used to be called the War Department, and then it became the Department of Defense, euphemistically. What if we were to have a Department of Peace to work just as hard at getting peace? And that's the State Department, or at least it's supposed to be. Uh, State Department is, yeah, about keeping the nation state. Really, on the face of it. Point taken. Well, okay, so my plan support was... A, would you support a Department of Peace? Yeah, sounds good. Another department? <laughs> Big, bigger Maybe. government. Now, my claim was that you couldn't overthrow a tyrannical government, right? You could definitely have a sort of permanent resistance to it and just be, you know, terrorists, in effect. Right? You could do that, but I don't think you could, like, overthrow it. That, that was Look at Afghanistan. How many times has that government been overthrown? Well, it was overthrown by bombs and tanks and... Yeah. And then the dudes with guns, yes, yeah, successfully kept an insurgency going. Yeah, that's the model that seems to be what happens. Um, but what was the last time a government was overthrown, like, by the people, I suppose? And not was the last the revolution? Iran? Like actual grassroots. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that didn't Will really work out know. well. But... <laughs> Will we ever know? And don't forget, I mean, you know, there are always, like, speaking of Afghanistan, uh, you know, improvised explosives. So, just saying. I mean, it's not, like, just guns. Like, you'll never be able to stop explosives right. and things that can do massive damage just from, I mean, you know, unless you want to ban everything. Which, at that point, that's going to get a revolt. Like, if you ban everything, um, you know, pressure cookers, all forms of fuel, all forms of chemicals, pesticides. Like, I mean, that's the best way to start a resistance is ban everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. So, yeah, they're always going to have that stuff. So hey, I floated friction. a question and, and only Haiti responded. Curious. Are we talking about what, the, the department? department of Peace? I responded. Uh, I said I don't want another department. <laughs> it's true, more government. Yeah, I, right? I, I, I'm with Nate. I mean, I, I think a Department of Peace would conflict and step over the State Department too much. So, it really doesn't make any sense. Okay. So what if we were to reorganize our government and keep it, quote unquote, small and also be looking at where the money goes? Because we've got the Department of Defense with their blank checks. How about that? Well, I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, you could rename the Department of Defense to Department of Peace. I mean, it's, it's no matter what happens with our corrupt government. Um, I love your government. Just just kidding. You're awesome. Um, I support you in every way. Um, you oppress me for my own good. But um, it, it, with our government. Even if it was called Department of Peace, you know that would get turned around to, oh, well, you know, peace through strength or we're, which I mean, I agree with that as, as long as it's actually followed. But I can just see it so quickly becoming like, well, we're bombing for peace. <laughs> you know, so it'll be like one of those things. It's like, oh, you know, it, it's peace because, you know, we've killed everyone who opposes us. So now we can be at peace. It's like not not to say it's not like a religion that says they're the religion of peace. But what that really means is, well, as long as you don't argue too much. So if you if you really push back too much against it, then they may make you go away, and now everyone can have peace. 
Well, yeah, I mean, but also, Nate, I mean, I think peace through strength has kind of proven itself out, right? Because World War II, we killed 50 million people. And since that time, we have all these nuclear powers. And now people are too scared of a global war because there's mutual destruction. So peace through strength has kind of proven itself out. No, no, I, I said I said I agree with that. If, if it's actually, you know, done that way, uh, I was drawing a distinction there versus like, you know, peace through through strength because you're, you know, you're saying it, but you're not doing it. So yeah, I, I like the idea of peace. I mean, I mean, depending on your, regardless of your political bent, um, you know, before our current guy with the previous guy, it was that motto that peace through strength and nobody, um, you know, had any wars or any threats or any of that nonsense for four years because they're like, Holy crap, uh, you know, this guy has the big guns and he may use them, so we're just not going to mess with anyone. And there was peace through strength, or because they were scared crapless, or whatever reason, there was no wars and everyone got along uh, good enough. Um, and now we have the opposite of that, and, well, now it's like uh, mutually assured destruction is seeming like it's not even enough to stop that. Because people are like, well, maybe we should just preemptively, uh, you know, nuke people. It's like, okay, well... If mutually assured destruction is not even enough to stop you from doing this, then that's bad. But yeah, I agree, CEO. Peace through strength, like the way it, if it's done that way and practiced that way, yes. But not if they're like peace through strength because we've like murdered everyone who opposes us. We need more seven samurai. <laughs> uh, Friction, what's up, Friction? Did you have anything to say? Uh-oh. If you're speaking, we don't hear you. Clubhouse likes to bug out. Um, if you leave and come right back, it usually clears that up. Uh, if you want to speak, just leave and come right back, and that will fix that. Uh, Jamesy, what's up? You came to the stage. Yeah, good and morning, holies soon. and heathens. How are you? <laughs> good, good. Um, I, I don't know if you're here. I tried to do you justice to your take on the Satanic Temple and Church of Satan earlier. Yeah, I was shocked to learn recently that there are members of COS that actively engage in what they consider magic. And it's probably not in the same sense that like more traditional magic users would attest to, but they certainly wouldn't deny, at least some COS members would not deny that they practice magic. I knew it. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, what you really want to say before I took you off on that tangent? Oh, that was like an hour ago. What are you talking about? Oh, no. I mean, what do you want to say now? Oh, yeah. That that was it. That was what I wanted to share. I mean, oh, oh okay. I've, I've got other stuff, too, but I don't need to take up the stage. Oh, no. Take it up. Uh, fiction, I don't. Did you leave and come back? Are you trying to speak fiction? No, we still can't hear fiction. Hey, Nate, there's a party hat. Tina. Where's the party hat? We're on stage? In the middle stage. Oh, hey, Tina. Well, welcome to Clubhouse. Would you like to join us for a few minutes? Hello, Tina. Uh, if you want to speak, just hit your little mic. What's up? What's up? I hope you guys are doing great. I am. How are you? I'm good. Anything what on your mind? Or... Oh boy, Haiti, what's the discussion about? Uh, it was kind of political. Oh. If you had a question about religion, that would be super awesome. 
Yeah, you just come here and you ask uh, Christians questions. That's basically the rule. Um, what do you think about um, the Lost Sea Scrolls? Have you ever heard of it? The Dead Sea Scrolls? Yeah, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. So it is a bit uh, contradictory to the traditional Bible, I would say. So um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm not, uh, it's been a while since I've talked, weren't there multiple like Dead Sea Scroll yeah. findings? Like it wasn't all just, so like, um, in these, like, I, I'm open to correction. I, I am not well versed in this. We occasionally talk about it, but it's been a long time. Um, isn't this where a lot of the Gnostic gospels were discovered? Is that correct? Yeah. And isn't it also where a lot of texts that are, are, uh, copies of like the traditional Bible? Like just more more copies were also discovered, so it's just like more redundancies with our current Bible. I'm unsure of that, but I do know there's a lot of new teachings. Like one of them actually talks about what Jesus taught after he returned. So there is a lot of fresh material. Yeah, and so like I, I mean, you could say it could be contradictory, but I mean, if if you want to read the Gnostic Gospels, which I have, um there's only a handful of things like, you know, in the gospel of Judas, he tries to make himself as if you believe he wrote it, not seem like such a bad guy. Uh, the gospel of Thomas gets into like some Gnosticism stuff, which is weird. But I think the biggest thing hey, is the oh, one second. I, I think the biggest thing is like these Gnostic gospels. Um, they didn't exist during the time of like the first century church. Like they were written later. So the fact that we found them later, it doesn't mean it's like uncovered revelation. It means this isn't even revelation like they had during the Bible times because these weren't they didn't exist. They were written much later than the first century church. So I would say, um, you know, at that point, you could write anything and it wouldn't wouldn't pose a problem for the Bible because it was written so much later after the original scripts. But was that Chris that was trying to speak? Yeah. And, and you were 100 percent right on the Gnostic Gospels and their dating and everything else. Uh, but I believe that the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, were not a part of the Gnostic, or the Gnostic uh, Gospels were not a part of that. I believe that was part of the Nagamadi um, uh, collection that they have there, that, which is not the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls are of ancient papyri and manuscripts that date before the birth of Christ, of course, like thousands of years or a thousand years before the birth of Christ. Now, within the Dead Sea Scrolls, there is some of the Dead Sea Scrolls that are a part of the actual Bible that we have, which indicate that, yes, the Bible is older, like it does go back at least that far, like we have evidence that it goes back that far. But within the Dead Sea Scrolls, there are other um, documents as well that are not of the Bible. So it would have been like ancient sources uh, back in those times and things to that nature. So the Dead Sea Scrolls aren't just biblical manuscripts, but they're manuscripts of of that time frame, but does contain um, biblical manuscripts that agree with the Bibles that we have today, which would show the authenticity of the scriptures that we have today. Um, I hope that addresses the question. It does. And one more thing before we get a follow-up from Tina is, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to like uh, research this stuff as quick as I can. But yeah, and um, so good. Thanks for that, Chris. But yeah, it seems like the ASEANs. Um, I know we've talked about them. I don't remember much about them. 
but it seems like the most controversial controversial thing for Christianity, which really isn't, could be whether or not Jesus took some teachings of the Essenes. Which, by the way, that makes me think of like the Golden Rule, where people are like, you know, Jesus didn't come up with the Golden Rule, right? That's in many cultures. Well, well, great. I mean, that doesn't it doesn't need to be a unique teaching to Jesus. Like, I'm sure he said some stuff like, you know, bread is good. Well, lots of people have thought bread was good. So I'd say that's a non-issue. So if he would have had like a different way to heaven or a different way to like salvation or or something like that, you know, that could have been maybe a problem. But the fact that some of the ASEAN teachings, which I, I would need to like brush up on, um, if it was things akin to like the golden rule or like common teachings or like proverbial wisdom, I'd be like, well, yeah, that's not a really problem. Like, you know, Jesus can say some stuff that other people have said too, and both can be right. It would really be centered on, you know, the actual death, burial, and resurrection. He's the Messiah. Believe in him. But uh, Tina, did that answer anything you asked? Yeah, I think, I think, uh, thank you so much. And the Chris had, you know, more clear answer to that. Like the Nag Hammadi library is different, I think. And also the ancient, uh, what I have read is that the ancient, very ancient teachings of Christianity were a little bit similar to the ancient teachings of Buddhism, actually. Mm. Now, see, that's where I would disagree, uh, because the ancient teachings of Christianity isn't like the ancient teachings of Buddhism or any other pagan religion. A lot of people would uh, point to the Greek mythologies um, to say that Christianity stems from that. But I think that uh, uh, Nate gave a wonderful answer on certain things that Christ would have said. Um, that When Christ walked this earth, he would have used the language that those people would understand. That's why we can see Christ using this language that would have been used in other type of literature as well. Nate was 100% correct on that. Um, but also when we talk about that, Every document that we have that indicates Christianity stole or borrowed from another religion actually dates later, or, or sorry, yeah, is actually later than the Christian doctrine. So the Christian manuscripts and the Christian worldview comes before any of this other stuff. It's almost like it's added in later, especially when you go to the Greek mythologies uh, with Horus and, and Osiris and the rest of them. There's no actual evidence before the birth of Christ that any belief like that ever existed. It's only in the second and third century that you start to see documents pop up of this. So it's almost like these other religions, all these pagan religions, wanted to borrow from the Christian worldview instead of the Christians borrowing from their worldview. And uh, I Tina, I am like... To, well, I just wanted to ask, how is Buddhism pagan? Uh, did did Chris say it was? I wasn't listening. Did anyone say Buddhism was pagan? No, I didn't say Buddhism. I just said uh, the Greek uh, pagan religions, of course, right? Uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, so, Tina, I, I did look up some stuff real quick. So, it says, like, the Essenes, like, from the, the Second Civil Period, from, like, 516 BCE. So, that I mean, that would be, like, just before like the Maccabees. So like the 400 years, like, you know, from the old and new Testament, that period of silence or the, the Maccabean era or whatever, like that would have been going on during that time, which is interesting, but it says some of their teachings is not like, I mean, you could find some teaching in the Buddhism and what I'm about to say, like you can find, you know, some of these, like be a decent person teachings in lots of religions. So it's, it's definitely not a problem with Christianity. 
It's just one more thing that says, hey, be a decent person. But the ultimate point of Christianity is the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, which is completely unique. Um, you've got a person saying they're God, performing these miracles, resurrecting from the dead and ascending to heaven. Um, no other religion even has a claim of someone like that. Um, you could say similar, not the same. But so, for example, like the Essenes apparently believe um, the in a Masonic figure, insert Jesus, uh, who would bring about the redemption of Israel. So that would be like traditional Judaism understanding. Emphasis on personal piety and the pursuit of righteousness. Sure. Um, Christianity, Judaism, lots of other religions believe that. That's just secular humanists believe that. I mean, maybe not with the churchy type words. Um, importance on community and communal living, like the first century church and acts, I'm thinking, where everyone, you know, sold all their stuff and gave it to the common good and like, you know, had a real community church in the first century. Emphasis on purity and avoiding uh, contamination with the impure world. Yeah, come out from among them. That's, that sounds fine. Um, belief, look at the Amish. Um, belief in the resurrection of the dead and the immortality of the soul. Lots of religions believe in some sort of that sense. Um, and then use of allegory and symbolic interpretation to understand the Hebrew Bible. That would be like conservative and liberal Judaism, not so much Orthodox, but that, I mean, that would be like a Jewish thing, which it was a second century Judaism or second temple Judaism. So that's fine. And then the last thing would be like, uh, predestination of souls and the concept of preordination, which some Christian sects would, some Christian sects would dispute that. But yeah, so overall, it doesn't seem like there's any problem with uh, Christianity or, any contention with what Christians would call like the gospel or the salvation issues. Thank you so much, Nate, for answering. And thank you, Chris. Oh, sure. Thanks for being here. I always like new people. Welcome to Clubhouse. I hope you uh, stick around. Um, God bless. But uh, yeah, thanks, yeah. Chris, for uh, jumping in and sharing that. Yeah, I only wanted to jump in just in that little instance, Nate, only because I've actually studied into the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Nakamadi uh, manuscripts and whatnot. And that's the only reason. But what you were saying is 100% true. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's not something we, it's not something we often talk about, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, I mean, the Gnostic Gospels come up quite a bit. Um, I just couldn't remember. So, so Chris, um, were none of the Gnostic Gospels uncovered through the Dead, Dead Sea Scrolls? That's a complete different issue? Yeah. Or some of them were? Okay. Yeah, it's a complete different issue only because the, or the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, they were documents like years and years before Christ. And the Gnostic Gospels are years and years after Christ, right? And, and where, where were they uncovered? I, I mean— the pit of hell is an acceptable answer, but where were they actually uncovered? <laughs> well, I, I, Nagamadi is uh, the dating, like the name that they would use for it. I'm not quite sure where they were actually found, um, but that's where they are. And of course, um, yeah, but everything you said about the Gnostic Gospels, like the Gospel of Thomas, like there is actually two Gospels of Thomas. Uh, there is one that the early church did actually have in a canon. Um, I'm not sure. I believe it was Jerome's canon around 367. I could be. In, yeah, it was. Uh, they thought it was, but it was only in the canon for one year and they removed it the next year. So they realized like they they made a mistake by adding that one gospel and they took it right out, which shows like how persistent the Christians were at that time to being to having the truth, right? 
And so there is another gospel of Thomas, which is the one that everybody else quotes, which is the actual Gnostic gospel of Thomas um, that dates to, I think, like the third century or late second century. But yeah, most of the Gnostic gospels date to late second, late first, or yeah, late second century and uh, early third century. And yeah, Nate, and I, I always think. Nate, I know, know, I know where they were found. That I know where they were. They were found in Biden's garage next to his Corvette. Wow. Um, so, so, thanks, Lou. Always a pleasure. Um, I was gonna say, you know, I, I think Chris, when people say, um, I'm gonna have to run after this, but when people say that, you know, this is why they don't believe the Bible or et cetera, et cetera, because you know, there's so many gospels, no one knows which to believe. Um, it shows they haven't read it because if you do like, like the easy answer, I mean, it's a long answer because it means you have to do a lot of reading, but if you do, because I, I forced myself to do it and it was miserable, um, just all this stuff, like the Gnostic gospels, the pseudepigrapha, the book of Enoch, like, you, you know, just read all of it. You can Google it and read it for free. It's available. And the thing you're going to find real quick is there's like almost nothing to do with, with the actual gospel of Jesus, like really nothing. So there's 100%. no, no, no contradiction, no, um, no difference. Like the gospel that's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the rest of the new Testament, like believe in Jesus, death, burial, resurrection, live forever, believe in him, uh, repent and believe. Um, there's none of these writings that have a problem with that whatsoever. It's just wholly unmentioned. So like in the gospel of Thomas and like the Gnostics, you know, you would definitely get into some heresies, um, just completely non-related to the gospel in Christ. Uh, you know, like flesh is bad, do what you want because it's the flesh sinning anyway, it's not you. So you can, you can like get off into like some messed up heresies, but as far as the actual gospel, what you need to know yourself, you're going to find that in the traditional Bible among everywhere else too, like the Ethiopian Bible, like anything that could ever have been considered canon is in the Ethiopian Bible. There's like 86 books. So just read that. And then the Gnostic gospels, I mean, they could have never been considered canon because they didn't exist when the canon was made. They came later, but you know, read that just because. Um, and what you're going to find is there's lots of extra political stuff. It's like, you know, which which ungodly king is waging war and which other ungodly king this week. It just happens to be in like biblical times and biblical and biblical, um, you know, like the Maccabees and some of these other books. And like there's an extra chapter of Esther that has nothing to do with Jesus. Um, there's extra Proverbs, extra books of wisdom with some cool sayings. So by the time you spend like a year reading all this extra stuff, you realize, wow the Christians got it right. Like the stuff that talks about Jesus that you need to know about Jesus, it's in the tradition, traditional Western Bible. It's in the Catholic Bible. It's in the Ethiopian Bible. So the thing you need to know that Jesus claims he's God, believe in him and live forever. You're going to find that right in the Bible. As far as the other stuff, it makes no difference on your salvation one way or another, because none of it has anything to do with Jesus. Um, that's, that's the answer I came to after suffering through all this nonsense. Yeah, Nate. I mean, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. Um, I re- I can't remember which book it was, but it, it was the one that was claiming to what Jesus taught, like when he returned. It was the most dense and most difficult read I ever had. So, uh, and that may it, it was so different in tone. I, I I it was it was very strange. Um, I do think the gospel that was closest is Thomas, um, and I know that like. There was some politi- political reasons around the non-inclusion, because I know there's a verse in there about um, the church being within you or something of that nature and not being a building. 
um, that I, I think some of some thought could be misinterpreted and lead to issues. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there was some stuff like, you know, the Catholic Church, I think, didn't want, what was it, like a Revelation or Timothy or, or some book like that. Like, there were some disputes, and they, I mean, obviously ended up in the canon anyways, but even if they hadn't, and then like the book of Revelation, I think it was Timothy or Jude or one of them was also some some institution didn't want included in the canon um, for, for some other reason. But it was a doctrinal reason, not a salvation reason. So whether or not you had it or not, you still got the salvation message. Um, so then if that was in, like, let's just say, the Ethiopian Bible and it wasn't included in the Catholic Bible or any other Bible, well, then you'd read Revelation back or Jude or Timothy or whatever the other book, or maybe it's James, you'd read the other book and be like, oh, great, this has nothing to affect my salvation. I've already, you know, believed and put my faith in Christ alone for salvation. But now I see what's supposed to happen for the rest of the story. Or now I see how, oh, okay, I see how people get this doctrine, which is like a secondary issue and not, you know, not primary anyway. So yeah, the easy answer, the easy and long answer is just read it all. You'll see what we're talking about. Or you should trust but verify, but you know, just take our word for it. Um, but if you don't want to, Google it; it's there. But I'm gonna have to run now. Um, it's yeah, it's bring your kids to work day, so I have to go uh, find my sleepy kids and uh, show them how to do web design. Have fun. All right, wonderful. Have fun. <laughs> Tina, nice to meet you. Nice to talk to you, CEO and Lou and everyone else. Take care, guys. <laughs>